All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree in the Hill. I'm your host, Jared Waters, with a special guest, ladies and gentlemen, one half of the most infamous podcast on the planet. <laughs> one Not half of even. Negro Jump. We got Gerard Fortune. How are you, sir? Niggas is innocent. It's a whole-ass podcast called Come Town Out Here. What you talking about? <laughs> hey, man, I speak into existence. That's what I do, speaking into existence. Thank you, brother. Thank you, black man. I'm How? doing good. I'm doing good. good. How's the quarantine have been affecting you guys? Uh, are you personally... We'll go me to you, per- then we'll me personally, I came in front. It's been rough. I've been definitely putting up a face and just working to stay busy. But like now, nah, it's been rough. Everybody's going through it. Um, with everything happening, especially when stuff started to be like, oh, like this shit for real, for real. Right. And then I definitely started thinking, like once they started saying that the virus was actually being carried around on the flu virus mm-hmm. during flu season. And I was just like, damn, I was sick as hell for like two weeks. Everybody was sick a that one time. We all were like sick. At, I mean, everyone just dropping out. And come to find out, it was a, a comedian's birthday party. There's, of course, around this time, it was like, it's like in the winter. So you thought, so you like right. November, November, December, at a birthday party with a bunch of comedians, like, it's, this is this is old America. Right, right, this this right. 2019 America. Who gives a fuck? We we <laughs> having a good time. Like great people. 2019 America. <laughs> it's great. It's right. great. It's great. Great people around, just like chit chatting and shit. But uh, coming to find out, there was a comic there that, uh, of course, at this time nobody is thinking twice about Corona. But we're just still being like, oh, that's China shit. Like we're not we're not thinking about that. A comedian actually just got back from Wuhan that was there. He got everybody sick. But before we found out that it was Corona, they were just like, oh, such and such got everybody sick at, at, the, uh, at the birthday party. So it was just one of those things like. Did he have Corona? Oh, he said that? There's no, there's no real there's no telling. Way. There's, no, there's, there's no, no way no to test tell. out, right? But the only thing that he could go off of was just that, uh, and this is all off of like word of mouth, that like he put two and two together. Like, all right, I was just in Wuhan. Wuhan's ground zero. For Corona, I should probably go to the doctor. And he went to the doctor and told him that. I was like, I think I should probably test me or something. And then once he said he just got back from Wuhan, they were like, all right, cool. We'll go ahead and try to figure something out right now. But it was, I remember it was like the night that I definitely felt like just sick as hell. Cause it was. Did you feel like dying though? Did you feel like it was like? Nah, dead? I just thought of it as the flu because like you know how like you because uh, I'm always I get sick every year because like I have allergies and shit. Yeah, yeah. So I get it's it's I'm always sneezing, sneezing and nose running and shit. And stuff. Yeah, so, but um, I remember we had just finished up something. Me and Cordero had just finished up something uh, with Negro Jump. We might have been doing like just some like testing, like a new way to record and. I put I put my coat on. I was like, I was gonna go to the show if you want to go. He was like, all right, bet. We, he was gonna drive drive us there into the city. And as soon as I stepped outside, and I was like, I probably shouldn't even push it. <laughs> I was like, it was one of those that I felt it. And I was right, like, I'm right. sick. But I was like, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just try it. I'm gonna just try it tonight. Maybe even get up. And then like the further and further we started going, the more I'm just like, nah, this ain't it. And like I stayed through. Luckily, half the show was done. And, like, my nose just kept running. I kept sneezing and, like, blowing it. And then after the show was done, I told Greg, I was like, nah, I'm out. He was like, you want to ride? I'm like, yeah, but, like, we got to go, like, right now. Like, I yeah. ain't say nothing the whole car ride. Allergies. Sometimes when you get allergies and you be feeling sick, you'd be like, is this allergies or is this? Th-? Exactly. 
Like, my grandmother, she would, when I was younger, she would irritate me because, like, it would be, I'm not paying attention that, like, it's allergy season. We, my grandmother's house in Camden, North Carolina, it was right next to a swamp. There's trees everywhere. Right next to a swamp. Come on. Come on. It's, <laughs> right, it's, right. It's, it's, it's I, I'm not, I, I don't know anything about anything. And so when I was just like, Grandma, I don't feel good, she would, like, take a pill. When she say take a pill, she told me to take a Benadryl. So, like, mm-hmm. that would just... Relieve all your symptoms and put your ass to sleep for like three hours and you wake up fine. Put that vapor rub on your back. Put that vapor rub on your chest. They put it in your nose. Exactly. Every time I just felt any type of just congested, if I wasn't like a severe cough, she always said, take a pill. I was like, girl, I think it's more. She was like, what did I just say? Just take a pill. And so it. (laughs) I remember my grandmother made me eat an aloe vera plant. Eat that. It'll heal you. All right. Well, I'll eat it then. This stuff is nasty. Put it up there. (laughs) Or like uh, one time they made my brother eat. Like a tablespoon full of like chopped yep. minced garlic. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta stick it in. Or like olive oil or some shit. All these, but back in the day they had all these remedies that people used to use and stuff be working. They used like to multi-purpose, take a nickel like, or something, and it'll turn green after it sucks something out. You had to start reading labels after a while. Like my uh, my aunt now, uh, she put me on to uh, like using Windex for not just windows. Like it's been times where like I, when I still have my car, I'll be working on it outside. Mm-hmm. And like hands just be dirty as hell. I try to be careful and just use the doorknob, but they get dirty. And she just just hand me a bottle of Windex, was like clean the door. It's a cleaner. I didn't I didn't know that you can use it for anything else like that. Or like uh, to clean my shoes when I was still like in high school, I would grab the bottle of 409 and just like hit that shit. Or like my grandmother had like this steam gun, and like I just learned to do that. So it was instead of using those erasers. Exactly. I mean that shit wasn't available, and I was broke, so I just had to use whatever was in the house. But, but yeah, it was the having having COVID. I thought I just had the flu, so mm-hmm. I was just like, this is. And then the way I felt, I was like, all right, I can't work. I don't feel good at all. Like I need to. This one was. I need to. I need to get rid of it. So I just did the standard procedure, just mm-hmm. go ahead, start doping myself up with just Tylenol, right. Tylenol, cold medicine, all this Theraflu. The only time they see me is when I was reading up on, like, Theraflu, like, drinking, like, trying to chill out and only drink, like, two packs a day, like, one a day, one a night, making sure I eat something, like, oatmeal or whatever, and then I would just go in my room and just, like, sleep. Well, at least you have family around. That's the good thing. To help, I mean? to, to help. help. Some people out here, Dolo, I realize a lot of people in the city – are scared because they're by themselves and they do not like being by themselves. A lot of people are scared to be by themselves. You can see them breaking down. You can see them just as soon as they see, oh, hey. Yeah. Where are you going? I'm going home. What? Come on, stay a little longer. Especially in the comedy scene with that sense of community. I get it. And like, I'm lucky to just, like you said, be around family and have family. But it's like, I gotta, you gotta grow. Correct. It's, I guess, I look at my own. I have I have anxiety. I don't know how high or severe it might be, and also like ADHD. So like I'm always thinking. You have ADHD. Yeah, constantly thinking, all the time. Are you medicated ADHD or no? Uh, Did you used to be? I used to be. I used to be on Adderall in uh, high school. Well, let's go back. We kind of jump right inside this thing, catching up. Um, so Gerard Fortune, stand-up comedian. Um, uh, he's a host of a. a great podcast let's go back to how we got to new york let's go even further where were you born let's go back to the beginning before we become this man who we are i was originally born in newark new jersey you're born in newark new jersey newark new jersey yep two-parent household one-parent household what was it like how did you grow up there in the uh the... split 
split household, uh, not even really officially together. Young parents, super split young. from the beginning. Yeah, super young parents, like never officially together. It young was just like, like what? Like my mother, I was I'm the youngest of two, uh-huh. and my mother was 19 when she had me. Jeez. My brother, my father, probably no older than 22. But your father, so you're how many kids? Just two. Two kids, but you and your brother, same mom, same dad. Yep. So how old were they? They had your brother. Six. My mother was sixteen, so my father had to be like eighteen. Young probably. parents. Yep. He still had hair. I had. There's a picture, like that awkwardness of uh-huh. like, you can see it. My mother holding my brother, and then my father, like they both on a couch, but not immediately. Like it's a little bit of space between them. Uh-huh. And my, like you can see the awkwardness in my father's face. Like, how do we get here? Yeah. What the fuck. <laughs> 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 whose baby is this exactly is my baby. yeah they told me my grandma told me a story that my um about my grandfather he was like uh my father once my once my brother got there once everybody knew that he was here because they didn't know about him until he was born my father just showed up with my brother <laughs> when he was born <laughs> he they didn't, didn't tell nobody. no he didn't tell nobody he was sweating bullets this is like 1989 like is uh-huh come on like it's <laughs> This it's wild. It's a wild. my girl and my son. Yeah, it's a wild. Nah, they didn't even know about my mother. Oh, he just. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even know about my mother. He just, they said no, no, uh, no stroller, no carriage. No, he just like, holding the baby. Just holding the baby. They said he was holding my brother like a football. And he was like, Ma, look at your son. And she was like, what are you talking? What? That's <laughs> your grandson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it he, uh. He had asked my grandfather for his allowance. He was like, what the hell are you talking I about? I need allowance to take care of my son. You a whole father, nigga. Get a job. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Like, what's an allowance? Yeah, get it together. I've heard, I've heard many stories of like uh, my grandfather, like people from both sides of my family. My, I, I'm staying with now. My mother's sister. She told me about one time. Uh, my grandfather brought my father over mm-hmm. to my grandmother's house to see my mother and and my brother, and like she can overhear them. Hear him saying like, cause he he gave him a pack of Pampers. He was like, you never show up to your child's home or like to any anywhere your child is empty-handed. You always have to have something. Right. You gotta have like just those lessons like having to instill in them. But unfortunately, my father, my grandfather, he had uh, passed away from cancer. So young or were you? Do you have any memories of him? Or are you don't? Nah, I was a I was a baby. I'm starting to piece it together now that like all of it kind of hit. Like one after another, mm. it was still pretty early because he lost his dad, but then my mother lost both her parents, young as hell. So you don't have any memories of your grandparents? No, not immediate. So like my so father's these are side, all just stories that people have passed down to you. My father's side, his mother's still alive. My grandmother, she's my last uh, grandparent alive, and then my my mother's grandmother. My great grandmother. Your granny. She's still alive? Nah, she passed. It's like. But you have memories of. Yeah, because I, I grew up. It, it was it was time was split between my grandma Bush house and my grandma Margie house. So you're so you're so you're born. You're one of two. You and your brother. Mm-hmm. Is your dad immediate? Is it immediate split? Do you remember two parents being in the household at all? Or do you always remember just being with your mom or being with your dad? Yeah, that was it. Just being with either one of them. Uh, I talk about that in my. I got a joke about that now. I'm talking about like hanging out with my dad and like watching uh, Beast Wars. Beast Wars. You used to watch Beast Wars. Yeah, like like if I was if I can remember being like three or four, then he was only like twenty five. He's mad young. So watching cart like Beast Wars is. I, I wrote the, I wrote about that on my uh, on the Negro Jump site. Like 
Like that was a that was like a real like father son moment was just like oh shit there's a new Transformers for him but like this is the first time I've ever seen any of this shit so we just sitting there chilling but would you say you more was he more of a dad or more of a friend? He's more of a brother. Really? Like an older, like older brother. Yeah, my brother because I've been feeling that way but then my brother kind of said it when we were talking about him not too long ago. Well, he was like, he kind of just felt more like an older brother. And, like, I mean, ain't no blame on him because, like. Young man, yeah, 18. 18. By the time he was 22, he had two kids. Sometimes I wish I had kids at 16. So now they would be, like, there's 17 a, right now so I can have benefit. real conversations with them. Yeah, it's a, it's a benefit to it. It's a, But someone suffers when it's a young a young parent. It sucks. It, it, it definitely in the living conditions that. My entire family, like all the black people in Newark, New Jersey. How long did you? How did you stay in New? Well, well, so walk us through what is Newark, New Jersey like? How did long did you stay there? For how many years? I want to say up until first grade. That's when we first. So like six. That's when we first moved. What type of place were y'all in? Small apartment or? It was always a house. Um, I think it was like a duplex, but it was like one level. It was like two houses combined to one. Okay. This is my grandmother's house. She owned it. Uh, same same shit that she usually do. Uh, parent buys a home, especially in the black community. It's like you Actually, buy a home, yeah. and then it's just like, nah, just like I'm. This is my plan. I'm gonna have this place for X amount of years. After that, I'm gone. Get your shit together, because I can't. I can't keep helping you because I'm not gonna be here forever to, to help you out. So you gotta figure mm. it out. So it was like that whole just just get it together. Like my aunt. I remember like memories of like my aunt being there. This is my uh, my father's side, my uh, my grandma, uh, my grandma Margie. So like my father and then his sister, and like her boyfriend and then like her daughter, my uh, my cousin. In this house, it was a two bedroom, like two story. Hey, it was actually a two story because my grandmother's bedroom was up top. Actually, hey, that was a big ass house. It was three bedrooms. That's what I'm saying. You're describing a nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These two are like, story home. Yeah, I like it no was du- not. Do small duplex. It was a, especially but, in New Jersey. It was it was like combined housing, but it was nice. Like it, it probably was, felt small because there's a lot of people in there. Yeah, that's exactly what it was, and like the the space was dope too because like. On that street, that house particular, it was surrounded by trees, and then the house is like on the opposite side of those trees. It was a gate, but like this house had a long driveway, so mm-hmm. we had a lot of space just to play up and down with like a big ass gate that just kept us in. But it, it was just that whole like I'm doing that now with my eyes. They gave me the opportunity. I'm like, all right, you've been struggling for a minute, and you was kind of looking for a way out of your living situation, in North Carolina. Come up here. Still pursue comedy. You can only you only need to make X amount of dollars to take care of yourself. Get your credit up, knock out your debt, try to figure out what you want to do, and then you go on about your way. Honestly, man, I feel like it's in the, the black community where we're so amped of putting people out and starting on their own. But every other community, you stay in the house until you got your stuff together, until you have a couple G's saved up, and then they send you out. I think it's kind of miscommunicated. I'm I'm seeing that's a that was the problem because it's I mean, you see it like it's, it's so many young parents in the black community. Yeah. So it's like they're still young with their generation and how they talk and converse with each other. Mm-hmm. Then you have kids, and that's a whole nother generation, and now they talking and convert with a different type of way. Like, understanding that I had to be able to communicate with 20-year-olds as parents 
An uh, instinct. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I'm thinking instinct, about that now. An uh, instinct had to kick off in my head that like, all right, I gotta figure something out because like my oh, parents are twenty. They're young. Twenty old, man. like young as shit. I had I had to learn how to communicate with them because like they not understanding me, and I'm not understanding them completely. Dang. So it's it's a. I think it was just it was a lack of communication and a lot of miscommunication of like why. I'm doing this for you and why I can't do it for you for that long because if I do, I'm only going to end up hurting you in the long run. Like mm-hmm. you, you have after a while because we live in this fucked up situation, system right. situation, you have to learn how to survive. And the survival techniques came from your mother. Are you a, you nah, just, I came you, from my grandparents. Okay. Grandparents and relatives, I had to um, cousin um, aunts and stuff. Just being around so much family, big family on both sides, having to learn from so many people. Cause like, is you you can definitely understand it too. Like after a while, it's just like, why is everybody talking in riddles? Like it's not. Mm-hmm. I can't hear anything. Like uh, one of the sayings my my grandmother had was uh, was just like, lay down with dogs, you come out with a bunch of fleas. Oh yeah, smoke. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Imagine telling that to a sixteen-year-old. You just like, I don't know what the fuck this means. <laughs> we don't even got no dogs on. here. Yeah, it's like I'm a, but like I, I hear you talking about people. You, you're telling me it was just like, like you have to watch out who you, who you around. Yourself. Yeah, it's like because you lay down with dogs, you come on a bunch of fleas, and now it's just like, oh, you want to be with these people? Well, you're gonna carry all the bad habits that they have with them, whether you thing is going to happen to you and not like is i think it's a, a thing about especially pa- uh, parents the our parents that raised millennials they raised a whole bunch of kids who debated and questioned everything and they're from that era where you didn't ask any questions at all you Man. just did what you were told and now we have all these kids who just are questioned about stuff i remember just having questions like now explain it to me why is it like this why do you mean grandf- he has another three kids nobody talks about right it's like how did you know i was like i asked him Exactly. So yeah. it's just like we are completely different people, and the kids that we have are gonna probably be even smarter than that. They already are. Like being on being on TikTok this whole time during quarantine and stuff. <laughs> I I I like TikTok. It is definitely a wild, scary place just to be an adult up there because there's a bunch of young, horny teenagers just doing whatever. Mm-hmm. They're funny as hell. I will say that. It's it, a lot of, that. Yeah, a lot of think a lot of people are just funny. We are around funny people. Yes. Like the roasting that they do, everything uh, else when they uh, it took get me hit back. up online, it's it's hilarious that they think of stuff like that. Yeah, is is so much so much shit. Like just making like a video meme of like uh, it'd be like an animation of like a cartoon character like walking, mm-hmm. and it'd be like me walking to the principal's office after I yell wave check to the uh, <laughs> to the Muslim girl. I was like, y'all look ridiculous. These kids are crazy. There was one where I saw this. It was last night. This kid goes, he's he's looking at Kanye West's tweets and he's reading them out loud. He goes, he tweets like a president. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, these kids are funny. That's what I'm saying. Like, and and was and they don't even think about being comedians. They're just mm. used to that era. Just like we got comments. We grew up on this. Exactly. Like they and I, what I really love about it, especially once the the Black Lives Matters uh, protest started. They were really on some like just informing themselves and each other on stuff, Correct. checking each other, correcting each other. When it's like, like seeing a TikTok of a of a Latino girl, like like you ever see the ones where like they edited it like right before somebody say something like wrong or stupid, they cut it off. It's like all right, now here's where you're wrong. Right. Like 
we wouldn't be able to get this far if it wasn't for black people. So it's like Latinos, we will have our time, but right now we got to help them so we can get and our time to. And it's them being more educated, saying like, y'all, most of y'all are black. Some of y'all got black genes and stuff. Yeah. I think the best thing about the Black Lives Movement is is that these kids are the ones that are changing it. Yes. They grew up with black kids. They know. There's funny TikToks with these white girls, little white girls. Are, You're racist, Dad. Exactly. You're. How do you not racist? <laughs> and she, she's like crying. He's like, black people. No, that's racist, Dad. I was like, y'all got to be the ones to do it. Yeah. Because our generation are kind of numb to the fact that a lot of stuff. Most of the chicks I work with are scared to talk about race, but these little kids aren't scared to do it. It's been because it's been so long. It's just been such a thing where, like, even it's got to a point where I'm just like, all right, it like being in North Carolina so long, it helped me because I after a while I chose to be down there. Mm -hmm. Like once I got to well, let's go back before we get to North Carolina. So we're in we're in Newark, New Jersey. You're at six. So do you remember going to school? Do you remember what was do you remember kindergarten? Yeah. What was that like? Do you have any good experiences with that? Do you remember your first teacher? I don't remember her name, but uh, I remember it being dope. It was we had the teacher's aide, so we had a white teacher, and we had a uh, teacher's aide. She was black, and it was it was fun. Just being exposed to that like early on was just like, oh, that's a white person, and right. then being like, all right, whatever. Like <laughs> like it's it and and kindergarten was fun. That's the thing. Like even. Now I'm understanding, like, I wasn't just poor. Like, it was poverty, but I'm like, I still had things. I was mm-hmm. still having, enjoying myself. Like, my fondest memory of kindergarten was uh, one Halloween. And it happened multiple times. Like, I mean, my mother, she was a single parent. Like, she chose to be like, all right, my father, he's going through his shit. Mm-hmm. He's trying to figure it out, but got to take care of these kids. But eventually got out of my grandmother's house, had her own apartment. We had my own room. She had her own room. And she forgot about Halloween. Like, literally forgot about Halloween. And then she was just like, damn. And then just looked at the curtains that was hanging up, took them down, and just start shredding them up. And then put over my clothes, just wrap me up like a mummy. <sighs> and then put makeup on. And I won best costume. You see what you can do with some pair of blinds? Exactly. <laughs> she just took the curtains, just took the curtains down, started ripping it up, and put the safety pin. Like, wrap me up, put safety pins through stuff to hold it. And... Yeah, that was it. Do you remember making friends in kindergarten? Do you ever do you remember making friends or that's too far back? Yeah, it was this one kid that uh No, nah, that was preschool. Not really. That's good you got memories back then. Yeah, it's I didn't I didn't know that was like not a common thing to really remember that far back. I try to I try on this podcast I try to say these are like time capsules. So if your grandkids listen to this like dang, this is what my granddad was like. Oh, they're gonna hear it from me. They're gonna hear it from me regardless. They going they gonna hear it from me. They just lucky that uh my grand my grandmother's um photo albums, I think they got thrown out eventually. But But like I just wish, like if I had like if someone would have sat down with my grandfather and talked to him so I could just hear it back and be like, dang, that's what he was on. That's what he was on back it then. Give, it gives you a way place to start. Right. It gives you something to to start with. So you're at six. Now y'all move. What what how who talks to you about moving? Does your mom go, We're leaving? Your grandparents say we're leaving. Who says that we're going? Kind of just ha- it, it's kind of just like pack up everything. Yeah, I barely even remember it being like a conversation. Just it just happened, and definitely as a kid, because like I spent so much time just being at my uh, great grandmother's house, my grandma Bush, just just being there, uh, watching TV, not saying much, uh, going through photo albums, playing with a toy, 
whatever, just like talking to her. Uh, definitely activity will be in the afternoon. Just sit on the porch and just people watch. Hmm. But uh, now nah, I just remember just up and moving to uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, so you go to Pittsburgh before North Carolina? Yep. Who goes with you? Just mom and the, your brother? It's me and my mother and my brother. But we go there because, uh, well, one, North New Jersey in the 90s was ridiculous at the time. Gosh, it was wild out there. It was a wild place. And uh, so it's like I got to figure something out. But my uh, my mother's two older sisters, uh, they move out there first. Okay. So my only who I'm staying with now, she was she went to uh, she went to Pitt. She was a uh, teacher's assistant, so mm-hmm. she was like a working while she was attending classes. She was also working in school with her uh, with her now wife. Like they were just living in Pittsburgh, Grad like students, working. Right. Yeah, and then um, my aunt Laverne, she was there like working. So like they're all just like in like mid to late twenties, mm-hmm. just like all right now to actually step out. And like try to figure out life, and even those situations was always dope because we always had somewhere to stay. And at least you weren't by yourself the whole time. You had nah, like, you're always, always around family. family. Always around. It's a family. common theme so far. Always around family. That's what made my life. I don't even want to say bearable because like, even when people like when I tell people about stuff and they just like, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm like it's it's fine. Like I'm I'm here. You're always loved. Yeah, it was it was always there. So when you so in Pittsburgh, what's that neighborhood like when you guys are in Pittsburgh? Do you move with this smaller house apartment? Oh nah, or? it was uh so this is like two thousand, and talking to my aunt Laverne now, apparently uh, that house was owned by a friend of hers, and uh-huh. she was only paying like a couple hundred dollars in rent. <laughs> oh my god! Right, and this is like a this is a two story house with like two big ass rooms. Like two big ass bedrooms, like a master bedroom that my mother and me and my brother shared with like a big ass attic that we went up and like had all our toys and like mm-hmm. just a space just for us just to be. So home, who was all in the house? You, your family? It was, it was uh, me, my mother, my brother, my aunt Laverne, and then her fiance. Okay. We were in the house. And um, yeah, it was, it was dope. It, this was a uh, homestead that I'm finding out now was the hood, but I was like, this is. All right, I got to walk to school. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, compared to Newark, where like my grandmother really had to train me on how to, like, I, I got trained on uh, since I was so young, uh, just landmarks, because she was like, all right, I'm going to show you how to get to and from home because it was close enough. That she was like, all right, so I'm, one day I'm going to wait here outside the gate at school, and then the next day I'm going to wait down the street at the corner, and then the next day I'm going to wait down the corner from there, right on the corner from the house. By that point, you'll know where you're at. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time being so ballsy as a kid, just that confident as a kid, and not even thinking about any of the wild shit going on in Newark. <laughs> this is this is at a school that I was way further away from my grandmother's house when I was walking. I had missed the bus because the teacher held me up for some dumbass reason or whatever. My mother was pissed and cursed the teacher out like when she found out. But like, missed the bus. I don't know phone numbers. I'm not getting in contact. I don't know what to do now, but I was like, I know I get home. And so I just walked. I just walked like, it was like a good, like, they see you coming mile home. or two. What? Nah, no, see, I got, I got home right at the time that I usually get home. Okay. But me being so like, Naive. I made it, I made it. And then I was just like, yeah, I walked home to him. I was like, what the fuck you just do? <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean you walked home? Exactly. And she was like, why did you walk home? I was like, I missed the bus. Why did you miss the bus? The teacher held me up or something. She was livid. Hot. 
She was living about after that. After knowing you can walk home, it's a whole lot easier. I used to walk home in North Carolina. After I realized, I said, like, I don't have to ride the bus. No. I could just walk home. There's options. Dang, what am I staying here for? Yeah. The only thing about Carolina, it was, what made it bad in my own, in North Carolina, was I walked home a couple of times that it was, there were no sidewalks, so like, it just felt way harder. Look like you're on One Tree Hill. It felt way harder. Like, and then you got to make sure you're not. And then it's like, it's the ditches. Sometimes you got to be on the road, and then you got to get, like, kind of in the ditch, so that way the car just nowhere near you and shit. Like, it's... Growing up, did you, um, when did y'all leave to North Carolina? So when did y'all leave to Pittsburgh? How long did y'all so, stay? So, uh, we went to Pittsburgh. I did first, I did first and second grade, and then went back to Jersey, did third grade. Started fourth grade. Was it was it better going back with your grandma? What was that like? It's just like let's try to move. It was the move. same. It was same the same. Thing. I was still young, so it was like the same. Like ah, oh, what's up, grandma? Like I miss you. And did your aunts have to go through anything like that? Like yeah, they lived through fucking. That's what crack I'm saying. E- crack Early, epidemic. Crack epidemic, and people were just very homophobic back in the day. Yeah, you know? it's it's so. There was uh. So my mother's mother, my grandmother. She was kind of like the black sheep of the family. Okay. So she was the one that Bush, was like. Grandma Bush. Grandma Bush. So, no, no, no. This is um, my grandma, Catherine, who I never met because she passed away. Okay. Uh, So she used to be out there like nightlife Jersey girl, like old school Jersey girl. Um, And then crack hit. She started getting into that. Mm. Uh, One thing led to another. She ended up passing away, but she still got three kids that are barely teenagers okay and now grandma bush gotta be a mother all over again so she's raising her grandkids yep how did she at that time deal with your your aunt your aunt when your aunt does your aunt come out to her or anything else yeah eventually she had because that's a lot of love to be supported you know what i mean because uh well even my backstory my grandma bush she was uh She's originally from Athens, Georgia, born oh, in like the deep south, the early 1900s, <laughs> like 1912 or some shit like that. Miss Jane Pittman. So, you talking like like I remember she used to have a picture of her parents over the dining room table, like you remember that that old style picture of uh-huh. like the farmer with a pitchfork? It looked <laughs> like that. Yeah. It looked like that. It looked like it looked like that. I wish I, I I'm gonna find out somebody have it because I wanna I wanna have that. But like those are her parents. And I just found out recently they were actually first generation of black people that weren't slaves Mm. in the deep south. At least you got the history of it, you know. At least your grandmother had the nerve to preserve it, you know. See, because it was a pride to it. Right. It was a a pride. We we survived. Mm. We survived it. Got out the south. Got to the north. Now we got a house. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a lot. But I I think. This is also word of mouth. I never asked her exactly, but apparently my grandmother was wise enough to be like, I don't understand what what you are as far as coming out to me when you say, like, you're gay, you're lesbian, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to turn you away because the world is so much more uglier. Like, you still can. Got it. It's, it's, we not we not doing that here. So she always felt supported. Yeah, because, like, she, they, she already knew how ugly the world was. Mm-hmm. So it was like, why am I going to push you away out there? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember uh, because when, when my aunt started dating her wife now, 
who's uh, Dominican, she actually went to the DR when she was like in her 20s. Mm-hmm. And my aunt had panicked because like she didn't realize like where she was going. And when, like, when she get where she stands, she sees an outhouse. She freaked out. Called my grandmother. She's like, I don't know what to do. And my grandmother's like, ah, that's what you are. Like, all right, you'll be fine. Call me when you get back. And they just hung up the phone. <laughs> that's where you are. Yeah, she's like, oh, that's what kind of country you went to. All right, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Talking about an outhouse. She's like, that's regular shit. <laughs> it's an outhouse. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. But um, she ain't really had a problem with it. Uh, the family kept it the same way because, like, once grandma sets the tone, was just like, what the hell are we going to shun her out for? It's his family. Right. But the other family members was just like, I don't, I mean, super Christian, heavy background. Like, churches in the family. Uh, all that good shit. Um, it's, it's deep. I mean, they got deep roots. Uh, my Aunt Laverne now, she has the 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 pamphlet. The family Bible that's the, been passed around. Not even that. This is, a, uh, what's the pamphlet from the funerals that you get? The uh, benediction, the the funeral. She has MLK's benediction because she my family because funeral. my family was good friends with the Kings. Mm. Right, you can check it on my. It's way back in my Instagram feed from like 2012, 2013. So they grew up. I think my grandmother told me she marched with Martin Luther King, and I said, "Was he out there like that?" I said, we don't talk about his personal. <laughs> <laughs> thing is when i start googling stuff i said like, do you ever hear this story before we ain't talk about his personal oh I, I i imagine it's some wild martin luther king stories but like right that nobody was had the respect like we respect him as a but the good thing that it's just like is like even they said his wife said it was just like hey what's happening right now is more that was important the times back then yeah it's like bob marley's wife said it she <laughs> said i forgot in that documentary asked her how do you feel about bob marley having these kids she goes i know he was a messenger of god somebody to my say it for the man in the back <laughs> <laughs> she said it didn't matter how many women he had. He was here to preach the message of God. It's, it's, it, was a fa- it was a strong sense of connection because the family understood where they came from. A lot of my, so like I, I had the benefit of growing up with a lot, with my aunts and then my great aunts and uncles, like their aunts and uncles. So these people were raised by a Southern woman mm-hmm. who experienced the extreme racism. Racism. Ku Klux Klan, all of that stuff, and then moving to the north and and like learning and, and benefiting and stuff like that. The whole family is like full of like artists and like thinkers and like people that went to college. So when you go back to the south, you don't really have those typical because now homophobic. It's and I don't think I think the south is getting better, but back in the day, it was just to be like the music was like that. Freaking yeah, Bun B's first. 40 seconds of sipping on some syrup. He was just saying the most outlandish stuff. Yeah. Yeah, rap has come a long way. <laughs> it's come, a, it's come a long rap's way. Rap's come a long way of people being like accepting and everything else. So we go back to Jersey. You leave, and then you're like you're in fourth, third grade, and you're leaving to North Carolina. Uh, uh-uh. no, no, no. Before I finished third grade, uh, shout out to Dion Warwick Elementary in Newark. Dion Warwick. Dion oh, Warwick she had her elementary. Own? Yeah, but it was <laughs> it was fucked up. I think about it now. It's right across the street from the fucking cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> right uh it was um so i went there third grade i started for fourth grade and um langston hughes elementary in newark some deep names out there right and then then we moved to richmond and that's when i started finding more of the fortune side richmond virginia richmond virginia so okay so this whole time your dad's 
is he the calling? Time, is he calling or just saying like, "Hey, was, son"? Or? She, she, my mother made sure to like get in contact with him and be like, "My nigga, where She's, are you at? Where like, are you at? Yeah, like your kids need to see you. Like always trying to figure out where he is. Like needing help. Like kids need to see him. So like, he was, he was, he was there. Did you feel? Did you feel that as a young kid? Like, yo, where's my dad at? Or a lot of kids in your school were just one parent. Nah, I didn't even I didn't even really pay attention to anybody else's school. I just knew my situation was like I got so much family around me. I got older cousins and stuff. So you never felt the loss. I never nah because like he was he was there like when like here's another sad fact. Uh, when he got when he got arrested, I went visiting my father in prison. How old were you when he got arrested? When did Mighty Morphin Power just come out? Ninety-one. The movie. The movie. Oh, the movie. Ninety-six. Ninety-seven. It was around that time because I had an Ivan Ooze toy that so you like seven, the, six the years security old. guard had to take and put in the basket before I went through the metal detector. Mm. That that I distinctly remember that as a memory. But then I remember like sitting at that table across and seeing my father in like an orange jumpsuit. What was he saying? Just just kind of I barely remember the combo. It was just more like just trying to communicate with you somebody in prison. Like I was with my grandmother was the one that took us because it's just like. You got to see your father he's still alive. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. But that was definitely a, a turning point for him where he had to had to figure something out because, like, this wasn't working. But. So your dad, the fortune, so he goes, what did he go to jail for? It was. Is he still in Newark? No, nah, he's in Richmond now with the other fortunes. I don't know what it was. It's, it was time, like, just whatever crime was going on around that time. Just trying to survive out there. Yeah, just trying to figure out what the rest of the twenty-year-olds is fatherless. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, just like what we doing? Like I realized I was doing the same thing when, when I was like eighteen out of high school, because like by that point I already had a job for almost three years now, and so I'm looking up to these dudes that are like twenty-four, twenty-three. Not even realizing like they not that much older than me. And they don't know what. Yeah, they're doing. and I'm thinking like, all right, trying to get your money together, and it's just like, oh, they on the same shit. It was just like, shit, I'm trying to figure it out too. So, what's it like with your brother? Is your brother? Do you think your brother was affected by it more, or y'all both equally in our own, the own different, our own different ways? He understood it more, more stuff than me. I was more ignorant to stuff. He he can he can understand stuff better. But it was, I don't know. I, I don't really talk to him about like we had times. How close just, are y'all? How close are y'all? How has the relationship changed? It's it's really like we'll we'll talk about other shit more. We'll talk about how we came up. Like it, that started when we were like, I was like nineteen or twenty, being like, yeah, it's kind of wild. This <laughs> is like how we came up. It was like it was some shaky moments, but like it was never like a like crazy crazy. You guys are just reflecting on like yeah we like even how far even y'all became even grown. even when we uh when times was rough mm-hmm. family was right there and your brother's two years older than you right yeah no three three so when you're in school you never feel alone because he's really up the hall it was nah because uh it was always it was always split so like my mother would try to find a decent middle school somewhere for him to be at be safe and secure where like she could send him to school and he'll come back fine and then like it was never like it was always split in the house y'all always going to different schools yep not until it wasn't until wasn't until um we moved to richmond no wasn't until north carolina that we were like same bus now okay same bus and then and then uh 
because in Camden, the uh, the school's like grown as far as like kid size, and so the middle school was no longer like like it couldn't hold. It was they had to uh, remodel it, and like this the sixth grade wing was being done, and so like classrooms had to be shared on the eighth grade and like seventh God. grade wing. So like. I would see him in the hallways randomly, but then after that, I didn't see him anymore because he hey, was that's in high my school. brother. Exactly. Right. I, I was I was so on trying to just be myself. Mm-hmm. It is because it was always just like Marquise's little brother. Like they would always call me that and shit. I remember when I was in sixth grade, my brother was in seventh. He's only a year ahead of me. I remember dudes would clown me about my shoes. It's like he just wore the same shoes yesterday. Exactly. And y'all exactly. ain't saying nothing to him. We would have like the same like t-shirts. same clothes, same yeah. everything else. I was it like, would, oh y'all just don't f with me. It would okay. be like matching. Like we would just happen to pick up the same thing, and uh, it'd be like like a day I wanted to wear a Rockerwear shirt, and he's wearing the same Rockerwear shirt. He was like, take it off. I'm like, <laughs> All right. Whatever. I used to think it'd be cool to dress like twins, and I was like, nah, I guess. Yo, we did so we, much of that as a kids. Hell no. <laughs> I was I, I knew I was like if I dress like him, nobody would say anything. I was like, oh, you guys are just jonesing on me because y'all want to. Mm-hmm. I think the only time I was jealous of my brother is when he was in taking the class picture. Mm. And he everybody inside the, his grade brought chains and everyone wore chains. So his class picture, he had like six diamond chains <laughs> just glistening up there. I'm like, golly, this is a hard picture. Fuck it. <laughs> and my dad was so, what you think you are? <laughs> Dipset, huh? That's who you think you is? Well, Florida, You're a they- rapper? <laughs> I, fuck, being, uh, I had a little bit of Florida TikTok like bleed on my feed with like... Uh, they be like, uh, I went to high school in Florida, check. It'll just be nothing but a bunch of, like, the, the, the natural dread Do- Dookie dreads, with gold the, teeth. With the gold. Tomorrow, these little niggas no older than, like, 15 or 16 with gold teeth. And I was like, ain't nothing like the South, baby. Ain't, <laughs> no, ain't nothing like People it. forget Carol. My, my grandmother, he's from Carolina. Gold, big gold tooth in his mouth. My grandmother had a gold tooth in his mouth. And then my brother just, he was just iced up, straight iced up. And I was like, where'd you get all these chains from, man? <laughs> And to this day, I have that picture of him just in seventh grade, just sitting there, posted up with all these chains on. Clean. I was like, this is the hardest picture clean, I've ever seen. Clean, clean. This is a, uh, you know, the rapper Ski Mask Slump God? <laughs> he has a iced out Millennium Puzzle. No. He has an iced out Millennium Puzzle. You know, Kirby, Kirby, Curb, Curb Darius, uh-huh. he got a gold grill. For real? Yeah. We ran Isn't into- he Caribbean? Yeah, but he's from South Florida too. He's from Haitian. Yeah, he's oh, Haitian. Yeah, he's yeah Haitian. I heard that the gold is a Caribbean thing because my aunt, I keep forgetting, Dr. is a part of the Caribbean. Correct. And she was just like, I used to keep the chains and stuff like that. Gold teeth. I used to have like three of them. Mm, man. Shoot, for my wedding, we might have to get gold teeth. Hey, that's <laughs> not we, bad. We I wanted. I always wanted bottoms. I've always wanted. I always wanted some bottles. Maybe like rose gold, just to stand out from people. But I don't know. That might be my first. If we start getting ad revenue from this podcast, that's my first check. I, you got it. That's that's black community <laughs> one on one right there. You get that because it's always like you get tax returns and you buy yourself something nice, so you go get some uh, crab legs. But then it's just like you get that. <laughs> you get crab. <laughs> you get that. You get that like big check from a job. It's just like, all right, I got to get it out of my system. Do one stupid thing for me. Everybody used to throw 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 rims on the car. I was like, yep, something there it is. something like that. Yeah, we'll get. We'll finally get that sound system in your car. With with your grandmother being from the south, she had a thick accent. So you guys grew up. Was she like first of all? Was her she name southern? was Rowena. Yeah, <laughs> she, she had deep in there. And like this, like it, her, she was very soft spoken, like woman. But like, let her raise her voice. It's the, like everybody, everybody gets back. Stop. Back up. 
Like, it would be times when, like, my brother keep messing with me, and he would just hear her voice echo from a room. Like, it was, come on, she didn't raise so many kids. Like, she already know how to just, like, we're going to stop this right now. Right now. Don't curse, though. Never curse. She uh, she would have to wear them white hats, them little white church hats. Oh, what? Them big old Grandma thing. Bush was, what? Because she had to, because she would get picked up by the church van. So, oh. you know, <laughs> come on. You got to flex. come pick the elders Come up. on. You got to flex. You got to flex on them. Like, oh, you you got the pearls out. All right. All right. Yeah, they come pick it up in that van, too. Come on. She had the, with the, with the, with the gown to match and her pearls. Come on. Miss Bush? Nah. She never her. made y'all go to church or she would take me every now and again. It's like whenever she could because like like she she would get dropped off by the uh church van, but then my uh, my aunt she worked for the church. Uh so my grandma Bush house, that was definitely a two uh two story duplex, mm-hmm. like two two home a duplex. And um my aunt Jackie, she worked for the church, she stayed upstairs, my grandmother stayed downstairs. So like if I was just home, if I was just at my grandmother's house and my mother was working and it was just you like what time right, it was. Going to church or like vacation Bible school, Put that or like suit on. Sunday school. Like, I I never had a suit. I just had dress clothes, and that was annoying enough for me. I was just like, I can't stand this shit. I used to have to wear uh, uniforms to school. Couldn't stand really? that shit. Yeah, I couldn't stand it. Yeah, Dion Dion Warwick and Langston Hughes Elementary had to wear. So what's uniform. so what's it like going in North Carolina? Because you're you're definitely a city boy now. You're it was a, city a, boy, it was a hard slowdown. Luckily, what city did y'all go to? Well, it's, well, Virginia's kind of like North Carolina. That's what I'm a saying. Bit, we so had a piss. We spent enough time in Virginia, and I started being around too. my cousins. That's just like it was that nice blend of city and country. Right, not that, slow people, but slow pace where they just yeah. It was slow. It was slow down rush. enough, but like you're not. Just, resources aren't as scarce as like the South, South, like a rural area, like we ended up moving to. But um yeah, I stayed with the uh we was in Richmond. I got to experience both the white side and black side of Richmond. So Which side were you on first? Uh the white side. It was I, w- I went to an elementary school called Marbury. Uh so Marbury was interesting because the school wasn't connected fully. <laughs> so like it'd be one block of classrooms, maybe like five or six classrooms, like in this one block. But like if I wanted to go to the bathroom, I had to go outside around the corner. Talk about safe. <laughs> Being in trailers. Too. Talk about safe. And like it wasn't even a trailer. Like it was like a flat. It was like flat. So like just walk in classroom, fit like maybe 15, 20 kids. Like we had to go outside to go to the lunchroom. <laughs> that type of shit. It was that. It was that type of shit. Yeah. But and it what's was, it like going to the black side? It was uh it was more connected, more like it wasn't it wasn't as much freedom as that other school. As they as they made it like that, I've never seen a school like that at anywhere, or even heard of anything like that. Virginia is different. I lived in Hampton, Virginia once, and I just oh, re- Tidewater. <laughs> That's isn't that where Allen Iverson's the from? The Tidewater area, I think. Yeah, Hampton. I Norfolk. met him. Yeah, I remember he was across the street, and he was in high school or about to go to college or something. Everyone's like, "That's Allen Iverson." I was like, oh, what does he do? Like, he's, he's a high school basketball player. And then my, I think my dad walked, my dad just leaves him, walk across the street. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm going to go meet him. <laughs> my dad's from North Carolina. Yeah, let's go over there and meet him. Come on. And I remember we meet Allen Iverson. He was big at the time. He's six, five. I was a little kid. But I was like, oh, that's Allen Iverson. Yeah, man. But he used to be the hottest thing in Hampton, Virginia. I remember everyone used to have the jerseys and stuff like Virginia that. Virginia got, got some stars, man. There are a lot of stars, a lot of musically and clown, everything else. Teddy Riley went down there. Teddy Riley, Timberland, everything else. Missy Elliott, Pharrell, Drown. It's just because the sound is so mixed because they consider them, 
the North people consider them Southern people. Exactly. Like, again, just like North Carolina, Virginia has mountains and beaches. Yeah. You have the coast. And you got elevation. They got some backwoods people in Virginia Come too. Come on, though. so like it's you gotta it's that being able to just adapt to everybody, every situation. Like taking a field trip to the Natural Bridge in, in Virginia, like that was something. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? And then like they telling the story, like so this actually it used to be a cave until the water built up and like wash it like knocked down the walls, but like you can see under the bridge when it used to be a cave. George Washington's initials, like on a plate, like right under the right under the bridge. I remember always going to Bush Gardens. I remember that Never used been. to that used to be the Kings big, Dominion. That was the that was the high spot. We've been there before, about. but Bush Gardens. I remember just being scared. Like, Get on that big bad wolf. Close your eyes. <laughs> nah. I'm like, this is not the way to nah, break kids into roller coaster. It took me until I was like 12 to finally like work up the nerve to ride a roller coaster. It's scary. Scary as fuck. It's scary. I'm supposed to just let just let this happen. My brother said, just close your eyes and you won't feel it. Oh, hell no. Nah. That, like, that's worse. <laughs> that's worse. Because now you don't know what's going on. Your head is moving. I, I could I could do I just don't like being shot up in the air. Yeah, it's a lot. The feeling of floating feels weird. I mean, I squeezed some little girl's hand. I was squeezing my lady's hand on the right side and this other little girl, she was like, he's very scared. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. It's, but, um. So it slows down. So you're used to like the slow pace it's, a little it bit. Started, it started. I mean, it started after we left. After we left Jersey, that's when it started being like. Was your dad there? Was he out of jail pace. though when y'all went to Virginia? Yeah, he was out, but we couldn't. Nobody could find him. Like he's always been like this. Like oh, even wow. even now to this day, people are like, yeah, I'm trying to get touch your father, but it's just like he just don't. I'm just like, well, from what I hear, he's always been like this. So this is just him. Get him a beeper. Unfortunately, he got a phone. Oh, he, he got doesn't. a phone. And then it's like you'll try calling him and it's cut off. But then I think once he gets it turned back on, he'll make his rounds, call people, hear from him. Like he'll text me happy birthday. So I'm just like, oh, so you remember? So it's like, all right, is is it, it just is it just is what it is. Like he just still hasn't figured out his own shit. Mm. That's it. Life is fucking ridiculous, man. It is. So so we go to North Carolina now. This is this fifth, is fifth grade. grade. Fifth this grade. Is, this is fifth grade. This is that like that definitely turning point. What now, city in North Carolina did you go? Camp. Well, this is a town. Camden, North Carolina. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Yeah, right on the population is under ten thousand. What's that like? Where y'all move to? Y'all in a neighborhood? Y'all in a? Ah, uh, we're in a, we're in a house, a two bedroom house, my grandmother's house that she bought in like ninety eight, ninety nine. Mm-hmm. She's been down there, retired black woman, only black person on that road that owns a house wow then that whole new jersey situation happens again with like everybody the parent the parent they kind of fuck up with money and then it's like need to regroup she's like all right get your shit together and come on down out because this was not a part of my plan my father went down there too my mother was going through a lot of shit uh and she just couldn't do it anymore do you have memories of her struggling? Yeah, the, her, like, the worst. Crying or breaking the down? worst was like just walking and like just hearing her sobbing, and like why are you crying? And like mm. she couldn't even answer. Come to find out now, it's because she has very bad anxiety. That's where I get it from. Mm. So like, and she told me she was like, I used to think I was going crazy because like nobody could understand, like me just always being in my head. Like nobody can make sense of it. That goes back to that pretty much what's a great. Discussion now with black people is mental health. Mm-hmm. So that happens. The story goes as far as my grandmother says is that my, my mother was just in a tough spot and she felt like this is the best option to 
get out of New Jersey because there was no point in being there because stuff was just getting worse. Mm-hmm. And my father was there, and we're about to hit that teenage ride and need to learn how to be men or some type of example. So fifth grade starts. So this is the first time your mom and dad are in the same location? No. My mother stays in New Jersey. Oh, so she sends you down there. Oh, so yes. you are going dolo. Yep. Now we live in with dad. Now it's What's that like really leaving different. your mother? I know that had to be I tough. mean, it was different because there was there was a lot more we already knew how to operate with her. Now we got to figure out how to operate with him and everybody else in this house. What's it like with him operating with him? Less structure? Yeah, cuz he's trying to figure out how to be a dad. He's never had to actually be a dad 24/7. Wow. Right. So like that was a learning experience for him. Like my brother forgave all the the dumb shit that happened because it's just like to, to have two kids dropped off at you when you try to figure your shit out. Right. Do you have any moments where you just sat down, just you and your brother just sitting there talking and y'all watching like a football game or? No, it was always, it was always, our bonding time was playing video games with each other or like a movie or something. Not really too much talking. Just like watching it. And then if we had a question about something, we would just ask him. We didn't, we didn't really talk much. You ever say he loved you? Yeah, or he, he uh, it, it was, you up or? of course it was, yeah, always hugs and shit, and um, I remember one time, I think he was just drunk, <laughs> he got, he was talking, he was just like, uh, he was slurring his words, someone give me a kiss, and he just like, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, when we kind of did it awkward, because we didn't, we didn't understand, we didn't understand that at all, right, and then he kind of got on us, he was just like, as supposed to be a show of like love and affection and we just like but we thought this was gay like we thought this <laughs> oh, was not what? yeah like we thought we just like we just didn't think we were just ignorant to it we didn't know anything about like just showing like affection and like intimacy with your with your parents your mom didn't show affection with you guys or it was always like hugs but never like a kiss or kiss anything cheek, yeah. yeah so your dad, your dad's raising. Can you actively see this? So you guys are like twelve. You're twelve. Your brother's thirteen. My brother, he has to be like fifteen, going on sixteen. Oh yeah, he's three years old. Yeah. Fifteen. So he's. Does he get his license? Is he the one driving you around or no? Nope. It was only. It was two cars. Three cars. Two of them broke down, and my grandmother, her only her car was working. She had a Buick, didn't she? Nah, she had that Eddie Bowser, the <laughs> Ford Explorer, baby. Come on. <laughs> Come on. With the power locks? Right. Is either that or a Chevy Caprice. <laughs> right. But before that she had the Jeep Cherokee. Okay. The special with the all of the all of the switches on the door panel. Like Who was the disciplinary in that household? Uh my father and my grandmother. Do you remember spankings from them? Oh hell yeah. It only took one time to be like, All right, I gotta watch how I maneuver around this guy because he don't know how to beat people. Well, <laughs> he was missing the whole. He kept hitting me in my back. That's what I was more upset about. I was just like, "Nigga, you're missing. Like this shit hurt." Get a switch out. <laughs> but like it was, it was because I had um, I didn't take school seriously. Like it was just like, why am I even doing this shit? Like it was like up until like second grade, my mother got on me about my my grades. I'm like, what are you talk? What are these grades? Like you just sent me to this place. And I do whatever the bullshit they asked me to do. Like, I was bored. I used to daydream in school. Did you just not age. like it or nah, just it was, not like it, just, it or you it felt just, like it was? I didn't understand why I was going to school. Mm. And it was like, this is education. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, Did you know how to read, though? You already yeah. know. How to, like, I, like I know how to read. Basic so. skills, like math and stuff. I had interest, but, like, school itself, I'm like, this didn't make, this didn't make any sense to me. But, like, 
I just had a hard time paying attention and just like keeping interest in school. So it was like I get home, it's like the fuck I'm doing homework for. Like I'm out. Like I'm not doing this shit. I'm out. Yeah. Then it's like I would just fail. Turn and on then, Super Mario. Yeah. Then the teachers they would send the, the homework home. Be like, you gotta uh, get this signed by your parents. So oh, how you doing? Oh, uh, what? Disrespectful. Then stuff. like one time I had, uh, I was just like, I'm already on punishment. I can't keep, I can't keep showing these. So I just forged my grandmother's name. In my own handwriting, the dumbest thing ever. And I think I misspelled her name too, but it was fucked up. My teacher mailed that, that paper, that test with that signature over Christmas break. Boy, you didn't get no gifts, did you? <laughs> How you get put on punishment during Christmas break? <laughs> this shit was fuck. It was wild. But yeah, he he fucking whooped my ass, and I was like, all right, I can't. This nigga hit too hard. Like, I've seen him hit my brother, and I was just like, oh, this nigga, yeah, this nigga <laughs> is. I'm like, all right. He ready for it. Yeah, it's like, because he, he had the fucking prison bill. Nigga, arms <laughs> is big as hell. Can't touch his shoulders. And he had the discipline fucking kids. Where, so. the, where did you meet your friends in North Carolina? Where did you, did you meet these same group of people? It was, it was just the class. It was, it was just being, being in class and end up talking to people. I realized it was always... From being a new kid constantly, and like I've even adapted this as an adult, like in a workplace and with comedy, I'm like, all right, I gotta give it some time because even when I'm just being myself, which is very friendly, like you guys, people in Wilmington, when I showed up to the club, once I felt comfortable, I was like, nah, this is dope, and like I was open or whatever, but mm-hmm. people were still trying to like keeping guards up because they don't want to fully embrace you until they see that you're really about a part of it, right? yeah. And so, like, I'm bringing, like, a fresh dozen from Krispy Kreme. I'm like, nah, like. A fresh dozen. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I had stopped there. And I was just Krispy like, Kreme. fuck it. I want to, I'm, I'm all about sharing. People looking at me weird. I'm just Who like. Who is this dude? Well, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just a nice-ass person. That's it. Y'all never met a nice person before? Like, You would just pop up. I was like, Gerard is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I had, it had to be. It had to be. But, um. I notice that's the theme of most of my guests have always moved around. And when you move yeah. around, you know how to adapt fast. Because you have to. It's a survival tactic. Survival <laughs> tactic. But you I still kind of like X-Men because you know how to you know how to find people like you. Because it was it was always like, all right, give it a second. Somebody's going to bring up something from TV, some a, a, a conversation point, And that'll be my opening. And then from there, I'll start meeting other people specifically. Mm-hmm about certain stuff i was never always with one group of people it was always with different group. i always want to hang out with everybody did you feel growing up that you or did you think you were just more do you think you were awkward a little bit or did you just didn't notice anything you just thought you yeah because i was definitely kind of a mute just from like the the days of just being at my grandparents house just quiet just watching tv because you have a lot of old movies. people you raise with old people besides you and your brother that's it. Just watching tapes is just being quiet for hours at a time, not saying nothing, not having nothing to say. I ain't had nothing to say. You ain't asked me nothing. I ain't had nothing to say. So like, and then I carried that as a kid, and then it started being like, to I didn't know what to say or how to react mm-hmm. with either my words or emotions. So I just like kind of kept quiet, and then that ended up turning into me just becoming like a I don't want to say class clown, but just like. This is a jokester, just kind of saying whatever, just to kind of get somebody to attention. Yeah, that's that's about it. But people don't understand how how what type of skill it is about timing to make somebody laugh, especially in like high school. It's all about timing. You got to wait for it. the perfect timing, and then yeah. you let it out. I'm like, oh, what? I exactly. didn't know he does that. Exactly. And like being around so many different people that were doing so many like so many different backgrounds, like that helped me out a lot, which is know how to act so i I remember uh my really good friends 
uh, towards the end of high school. It was just three white guys always hung out after school, played. These are the main guys playing video games with. Who were those Anime on the internet. Uh, Cody and David, who are brothers, which that's why I was drawn to them because I was like, oh, y'all seem real familiar. Like, I've experienced this before. Just, like, two brothers. With, definitely, like, with Cody being the younger one, but definitely being the more mature. Right. Acting like the older one. And then uh, our, our friend, Ryan, who was Cody's childhood friend, but, like, like together, mm-hmm. we were always just, like, hanging out, like, all the same interests and shit. But it was, like, a feel, like a school trip where that's when it was, like, that time I was just, like, damn, I don't know who to be around right now. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's when it was really hard because it was with them, but then it was also with the black people in my class. So, like, in 11th grade, there's only but so many black people. And they didn't understand at the time that it's, like, I gotta do this. I got. <laughs> I gotta do like the thing. The, the thing. Watch the, out, boys. Yeah, the <laughs> thing. The thing that definitely. Come, um, shout out to Anwar. I remember when he came up here and like, I was talking to him about why I started Negro Jump was like, cause like I don't think a lot of people understood. It's like, yeah, I was a nerd, but like I had to be a nigga. I had. I had to be. You had to. I have to like not even on some like peer pressure. It's just like no, these are my people. I. Ha- if I can't, I realized that moving up here to New York. If I can't tell jokes to y'all, if I can't communicate with black people, I might as well hang it up right now. Right. I might as well hang it. If if I can't figure out how to make y'all laugh, a room full of y'all laugh, people that look just like me understand exactly what I'm saying. It's because black people were tough on each other. Yeah. We're so tough on each other. And we don't necessarily have to be that tough on each other at all. No. I forgot where I was, and there's some guy that tried to introduce me. He's like, all right, this comic come out. You got to pay attention. I was like, stop saying that goofy stuff. Exactly. The freak. I said, like, I'll make them laugh. It don't matter. Pay attention. Right. I don't got to dance or do anything else. It's like, but there's still people. Yeah. People, Black people are very eloquent and very smart. You just don't have to get up there. Just because you do that type of humor doesn't exactly. mean my humor is going to be like that. Exactly, man. But, yeah, I remember black kids, man. I remember my grandmother gave me the worst, best advice when I moved to North Carolina, I was me and my brother in middle school. She goes, you got to go up to that school and beat that boy up. That's what you got to do. I was like, what? She said, yeah. Because I told her, I was like, these boys keep messing with me. And she goes, which one? We're at a, a, a camp. And my mother made us go to the project. That's where my grandmother lived. And she said, which one is it? The weed and seed program. And I said, it's this one. So she called his grandma up. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> she called his grandma the up. two promoters putting her. a fight up. <laughs> called his grandma and she said, she t- she didn't tell them that you're gonna fight. She just told them that my grandbaby said, you know, my grandbaby, he he done been around. His parents got money and stuff. He ain't. We're trying to get him used to that. And then his grandma told my grandma, she's like, you know, he ain't been the same. His daddy left him. His daddy is really the mailman. He sees him every day, but don't say nothing to the boy. So the boy is heartbroken. <laughs> and I heard that whole conversation when I picked up that other phone. And I was listening to see what my grandmother was saying. And when I went to that thing the next day when we were about to fight. I said, like, you're just mad because your father doesn't love you. And your father is the mailman. He sees you every day and don't oh, want to say nothing to you. Oh, my God. Boy, he ran at me so fast. Oh, man. We just started tussling. We were going at it. Bang, bang, bang. I hurt that boy's soul. God damn. My grandmother spanked me to him. You better get out of my business. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't say be in, your, be, be in my business. I didn't tell you do that. Say all that. I was like, you say fight him. I was, I was trying to hurt his soul after that. Pretty much. But I realize it's just like a tactic of just us being tough on each other. So as I go to different places, I notice it's like, I'm going to try to be nice because I don't want to be the dude that's just going to be effing with you all the time. That's why it's, it's, I, I, 
I'm not blaming them, but being raised by nothing by majority of women of like multiple ages. So like my mother being a young twenty something year old, my aunts hitting their thirties, and then like my elders that are like grown, like in their fifties and shit. Like having to listen to them and then having that being like influence of how I talk now. Mm-hmm. It's like I realized like I just I end up I'm not trying to, but I end up just roasting people. It's something I don't know what it is, but yeah, I, I always I'm the first one that I just, I listen to stuff and I was like, dang, please don't do it, please don't. Yep, I already did. Yeah, <laughs> I already, like, I'm just I'm just I'm just acknowledging something or making an analogy. This was just like, oh, this is how I understand this. Mm-hmm. And people were just like, dang, you always roasting. I was like, I didn't realize I was doing it because this is all they do to me. This is all they do to me. Jonesing. The minute the minute you step in the house, you ain't missed too many meals, have you, boy? Oh my I was like, god, Golly, she remember, just lost some weight. I remember one time I was cooking hamburgers <laughs> on the grill. And I was singing, uh, remember that John, uh, that Rick Ross song with John Legend, Rich Forever? Uh-huh. I was yeah. hitting the John Legend part. And I was just like, you know, you can't sing, right? And I'm just like, <laughs> thank you for letting me know. <laughs> I remember my great aunt, my grandfather's twin sister, we had to visit her in a nursing home. And she looks over at my dad and looks over at me and she goes, I know that ain't Esau. That guy, she points to me. She goes, no, no, that's Esau right there. She goes, you're just getting blacker and blacker every time I, every time I see you. And she would look at the kids. She's like, Abraham got the black kids, and these one got the light-skinned kids. Damn. And she would, I remember my baby sister not understanding, go, why are you so mean? Everybody's like, get to the door. Stop, stop. <laughs> She's 80 years old. Relax. Let her go. Exactly. But I noticed that it's always this tough, this thing of where we always, we're first to shoot, shoot first. But my cousins, they would, uh, they F me up. My cousins were giant, massive football players. They, they played college ball. My cousins, six, six, two, big muscles. They used to smother me with this pillow. And I was like, I can't breathe. You can breathe. Ah, I can't breathe. <laughs> then I told them I was scared of dogs. And to this day, they, these dogs were crazy. They made me stand outside, chest out. Stay still. The dog won't bite you. I was in there crying, help, help. <laughs> No, no neighbors helping me. No one else is 11-year-old kid sitting there out there with these rough dogs. And I was like, if my uncle's scared of these dogs, why am I out here with these dogs? <laughs> they put you through it, man. My, um, my cousin Terrence, who I had on the podcast, he put, I remember one time, just being an older cousin, he tried to make my brother do something that my aunt just told him to do. She was, he was like, no, nah, I ain't doing it. He told you to do it. He was like, what? And he said he just put this nigga in the Boston Crab. <laughs> and then he cried. And then now my brother was doing the dishes. <laughs> do, 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 but <laughs> but pretty, pretty much he was saying that my father, because they were so close in age, pretty much. So, like, my father is the youngest of four. Okay. Now, my cousin Terrence, his father, my Uncle Terry, was young when he had him. So, mm-hmm. like, probably when my father was, like, 16, 17, Terrence was probably, like, 8 or 10. They're not that far apart. They like only like six to eight years like apart from each other. My father put him through hell. <laughs> put him in a sharpshooter. All that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was I, I, like when we moved to Japan. That's we haze each other. We hate we haze each other. But when I got to like around other military kids, I felt like safer because I was like we all understood each other. Mm-hmm. We all understood our parents were going to be gone. Everybody was weird. Everyone accepted and nobody's bullying each other. So you felt like a safe haven. So when you're when you're in North Carolina, so what's Cody and them like? Do they understand or they just don't understand? They're just like Gerard's well, boy. Well, they um, 
they were learning more from me because like we were hanging out more and more and more. Like we were learning a lot from each other, and like we ended up ended up um living with each other like as like young adults and okay. all the way up until like our mid twenties. So like we learned a lot from each other. We've had like those awkward race conversations about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, but like they like Cody's even said it to me before. He's like, I don't know why people think like we're rich. Like we're we're all right. Like it's not. We ain't doing great. They got fucked up shit. They parents split when they were young. Mm-hmm. His dad remarried. He had a shitty stepmother. He got half siblings. They just like this is just fucking crazy. Yeah, it's uh people don't understand. They got their own love in hip hop. Yeah. It's just on the CMT channel. Exactly, so no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like what, what I really like the most, what drew me to them is that uh, finally met David in like middle school, and then come to find out, it's like, damn, we got the same birthday. That's crazy. And then and then uh, we just kept talking, playing the same video games, both like anime, mm-hmm. and then come to find out, his dad's a state trooper. I was like, damn, my dad used to sell drugs. <laughs> <laughs> The fox and the hound. <laughs> exactly, like two completely different backgrounds, but like it's like the same shit. Young, he his dad was young when he had him. Mm-hmm. Like all this, all of this shit, like so much, so similar. So many people have. That's why you be listening when you listen to comments now. Say, man, these boys didn't have no daddies growing up. Right, Golly, these white boys is going through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to figure out they self, but it was. Did you go to prom in high school? Yeah. What yeah. was that like? Who were? Did you have a? Who'd you take to prom? Uh. I didn't want to go to prom. I just wanted to go to the party. Because, like, I, at that point, I was already working, like, for two years. Mm-hmm. I had a job. I wasn't. I ain't fuck with school. Didn't see myself really going to college. And it was like, I didn't. I wasn't playing any sports. I really had no interest in it. So I was That's like. That's crazy. No sports in the South, too. Was everybody's walking? You, you got some. You got a nice my grandmother. Build. My grandmother told me I shouldn't tell that to people that I ain't really like sports. Because, like, That's probably everything. come off where it. But it was, for me, it was just like, I didn't have any examples around me. I couldn't see it. It wasn't until I started hanging around Cody, who played baseball, that I was like, this should seem all right. Like, I, I like to play. It was like my fucking junior year. So it was like, it's too late. But it's, I didn't have any, like, push. People were waiting for me to say something. Well, I was like, I don't know nothing about right, you were full these things. Older yeah. people. But the biggest problem was money. Everybody stressed out about money. So it was like, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and get a job, try to figure this shit out now. Well, you got a job. What age when you got a job? I was like 15. What, were you contributing to the house or you just got money just to? It was pretty much just me starting to get on my <laughs> own two feet. So it was like learning like, all right, you got a job now. You need to get to work. So I can take you to work, but I need gas money. So every mm-hmm. week. You had me, to pay some gas money. Pay some gas money. I was like, I understood that. And like pretty much, I ain't had nothing to really buy. There was no focus. So I was just blowing. No cell phone, no nothing. Yeah, I, was so. just blowing, I was just blowing my money. I, I, I didn't get a cell phone until like my sophomore year. Right when I started working, so then started contributing to that a little bit. Then once I graduated, that's when it was like, all right, I need a car. And so just stacked my bread up and bought my first car, straight cash. Myself. What type of car was it? It was a 99 Jeep Cherokee. I love that car. Seemed like a Cherokee's running that family, huh? I mean, already experienced I was like, this ain't, this ain't <coughs> bad. I mean, that's what was just out. Like, when I was shopping, it was like cars. It's on the side of the road. You would just call, like, look at it. Mm-hmm. And then that one came up. My grandmother had a Jeep. She loved it. She was like, those are good cars. And then it being like, oh, it only got like 134,000 miles on it. Easy. All right. And then just looking at it, driving it, it was just like, damn, this shit all right. <laughs> it's not four-wheel drive, but it'll give me point A, point B. Uh, I liked it because it do put in like a new radio with side door panels. So it was just like, shit, I'm, you just sold me on that right there. And then got them down to like 1,600. 
like fifteen to sixteen hundred, and then. Where's your first job at? Where were you working? Uh, I was a busboy at IHOP. Golly. (laughs) Yep. How many dishes was back there? It was a lot, but your boy was a beast. What was so sad is that uh, people were so impressed by my work ethic. I was working harder than all of the grown-ass men around me. Like, I was one of that. That IHOP was brand new when I got hired, and I, I was, like, one of the last original hirees there. So as soon as you came in, we got our we got our turbo buster. Pretty pretty much because it got down it was like one of those things like all right, we needed all these people for when it started because we're busy, but the plan was never to keep everybody because just like anywhere else, cuts got to get made because mm-hmm. everybody's not going to keep up. If that just happens, that's just life. Everyone's not going to keep up. Things going to happen. So it's just like we're going to see who will make the cuts, and it just started got get down to just two people per shift. One person doing dishes, one person busting tables. I was nice at doing dishes, like timing everything, making sure everybody got their stuff. And I just listened because I knew it's not that I know I didn't I didn't have nothing to say. I know I didn't have much to say. So I know I just need to work for these next seven hours. Do I need to do? And I just go to fuck home. How well? So walk us through the dishes. What is it like? You get do y'all do y'all you scrub the dishes or are y'all using that high yeah. powered? We scrub. So gun. there's a there's a there was a whole dish pit. You walk in there, stack your plates up against the wall. You have your sink with the little hose. And then off to the wall, you have uh, a bin where you have the silverware at. Okay. You, you just let that soak. You let it fill up. You just dump the bin in a rack and, like, spread it out, spray off the excess food. And, then like, you, you would, like, slide in two racks to the machine, put it down. It goes through a dish cycle where, it like, rinses it, washes it, rinses it again, and then tries to steam it, like, dry. And oh, it's a whole out. system back then. It was then. a whole system. And then, like, after a while, you only one, like, one person could run it. Then, like, you would, like, stack the plates up. I was responsible for cleaning them, stacking them, making sure shit was organized, washing pots and pans for cooks, the utensils and shit, and just getting everybody their shit in the back. So I was just as busy as the guy busting tables in, in the front. Could you wear headphones or no? Nah. I could, but it was just, like, I ain't going to risk it. It ain't worth it. Right. It ain't worth it. I ain't feel that comfortable. But... Yeah, North Carolina was just an experience because I had to come in on my own. You learned worth ethic there. Yeah, learning how to really survive. How Mm -hmm. can I really, how can I learn to take care of myself? So when you graduate, what does your grandmother say? Does she say, does your dad say, like, do you want to go to college? Or are they just like, They would, I mean, it was, they would always ask me questions. I was always up in the air about it because, again, it was like, no real examples around me on this side of the family because everybody's, struggling so it was like just go ahead get a job try to figure this shit out now what about your aunts because they went to college they, they did they're drilling it in my head that you're going to college but i'm like, being a teen well i'm just like well how come i'm not getting a choice right now so it's like y'all not to really telling me what this is going to do for me and then on top of that it's like i'm not really a school person y'all mm-hmm. not really getting that picture that like this ain't this ain't for me like i'm not but school wasn't hard for you you just didn't feel like doing it it was boring it was boring, but you knew the answers. Does that make sense? It's like I can. It's, Did you study for any test, or you would just always get like a, a nah? Nice it's like I I barely tried. So like barely trying, I was like a C student, like C minus. So even if you tried, you'd probably be an A student. Yeah, like when I actually put effort, I got like a four on the end of like those EOs. Those EOGs, yeah. Yeah, I got in high school. I got a four on like one of the hardest ones that people have problems with. And they're probably thinking like only if Gerard would have. If I actually like really apply, I didn't really apply myself until like senior year, and that's when I was uh, 
I was on Adderall, but also was kicking in. Like, all right, I got to get the fuck out of here because I can't. Right. I can't be no second year senior. Like, fuck that. Like, I can't. Can't be they that. They throw guy. the best parties. Oh hell no, nah. <laughs> I'm cool. I can't be 19 in high school, nah. But it was. I knew I had to get out of there, so that's why I was just like kicked it in the gear. So we graduate high school. Everybody shows up. Who comes to your graduation? Your dad comes. My dad comes down. My Mom mother comes. comes down. My aunt Laverne comes down. But where's your dad coming down from? Richmond. Oh, so this, so you're living with your grandma by yourself then? At this point, yeah, because my father, because in Camden, there's nothing. There's there's nothing there. Does and your then, brother leave the house too? Yeah, he left. Where did he, he left go? his junior year. He went up to Pittsburgh where Mount Laverne was still at. Okay. Because he had an opportunity to go to a uh, to a art school. He's the artist. Yes. He's designed the the logo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got the chance to do that, and then um, yeah, it was uh. So like by the time I was a junior, my father wasn't there and my brother wasn't there. So now I really got to shine as my own person. I really got to be like, this is this is me. I'm not I'm not Marquis's little brother. I'm not Mark's son. I'm Gerard. And what's Gerard like? Gerard finally figure is, out who he was. Is just funny or just chill. I just I like being around people. I I can care less who you are. I just want to know what you're about and if I rock with that. So when do so when do we start doing stand up? We graduate high school, we start working, we're just working. Mm-hmm. We stay in the house too. You still staying in the house, right? Staying in the house, working, and then finally getting high into college after a year because it started adding up. Like, all right, I can't just I can't just work. I need to be doing something productive, and I can't see anything else. So I'm gonna go ahead and just try college. That's good. You had a year off to figure that out. Yeah, I think everyone deserves the, a year. To- the year was definitely well. I bought a car and then trying to figure out the financial aid situation. I couldn't, it took a year to try to get that handled and situated and, uh, try college. I made it through like barely made it through a semester. What college you go to? Uh, college of Alvin Mall. Was it community college? Community or? college. It was, a, it had a great nursing program. Like it was Most one of those people sleep. Community college is actually good. I'd rather people do two years of community college then figure it out. That's why I kind of went because teachers were like preaching. It was like if you're going to go to college, then like community college is not bad because it's cheap. It's cheaper. You get a head start, and it's easier to get into a university. Like you get started into what you want to do. But I ended up dropping out, and uh, I was just working at that point. I started working at Applebee's and I was cooking. At this point, I still wanted to be a sh- I wanted to be a chef. I wanted okay. to go to culinary school, and I was just working at Applebee's, and I was like, this shit sucks. Uh, got the opportunity to go down to Georgia, live with my Aunt Laverne, who was standing out there with other members of the Bush family. And uh, she gave me the space. We were like, all right, just take the time to try to figure out what it is that you want to do with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went about the same game plan. Luckily, with Applebee's, I get to transfer. So I, I had a job immediately when I got down there. And so I'm figuring out stuff. I started going. I started going out more. I started mm-hmm. going to concerts. I like going to concerts a lot. Uh, what else? I had a cousin that used to be a DJ in the '90s, so like he started putting me on in that. And so I started playing around with like DJ software and things like that. And like it didn't really work out for me because like, I just wanted to play the stuff I wanted to play. It was like more for personal <laughs> game. Yeah, it was DJ just more. DJ was like, why does he keep playing MC Hammer? Exactly. Like I just wanted to play the shit I wanted to hear. But like it was like this is this is cool. And then I tried mechanic school down there, mm-hmm. and I had a really good professor who used to work in the automotive industry. But only reason he's not doing it anymore because he fucked his back up. Okay. And he said it every day. Every single day he said that, and he said that you really have to like this field to work on it because it's not easy. And luckily I have a cousin who in New Jersey 
who's like owned his own shop and loves working on cars. And like he said the same shit. Like you have to really like this if to pursue this as a career because it's not easy. And I remember like being in that class and like picking up a tire to put it up on a car. And I was like, this ain't it. <laughs> so I dropped I dropped out of that. And that was like a, I got a loan from family members to like get started in college. And like that was quick. I was like, yeah, it's not. This ain't it. I'll just try to pay y'all back as soon as possible. By that time, year I passed in Atlanta, and I told myself, like, I'll give it a year to try some stuff. And once I try it, I'm out because it's like the same. It's you the don't same. Waste your time on it's it. the same. It's the same shit. And now it's too much freedom while I'm just sitting at home and not really, really like really working. And like Atlanta, this is around. It's like 2011, 20. It's like 2012, 2013. Gas is stupid expensive. Mm-hmm. It was costing me so much money just to get to and from places. So I was like. It was, I might as well just go back to here. I was getting paid the same amount, and I get to save like more money, do whatever. Link back up with Cody and David. Uh, Cody is David's almost done with college. Cody is halfway done, and Cody is talking about transferring to Wilmington, North Carolina. This is 2013. And that's when you're like, let's go. Then I'm just like, shit, it's better than my plan. I was talking about moving to Virginia and trying to figure out DJing again to try to maybe just make some money. I was like, it sounds better than me. And I was like, shit, fuck it. I'll try college one more time. Like, I'll try it again because, like, I still haven't found the thing. My gut always told me that whenever I find it, I'll know. And I still ain't find it yet. So you went, so you go to UNCW? Uh, no, I went to a community college. Like okay. I said, I just went to college to just keep to myself sharp, active and, like, doing something else besides just working at these jobs where people ain't really doing shit with their life. I hate to say it. I met great people, but it's just like they was just as stuck as I was. But like, so most people don't know how lost they are until you take the time to look outside and be like, oh wow, they're not really doing nothing. They're exactly. just in a hamster wheel too. And this is me at like twenty two, twenty three. I already knew this because I've been around it enough to be like, I gotta do something. I'm not trying to be like them. Like learning from other people's mistakes. <clears throat> you pretty much raised yourself a little bit. I, I mean, had you had to. guidance of your grandparents and everybody else, but it's kind of just like you were just. All right, this don't work. Let's move on. So I soaked in everything, man. I had to. And then, of course, living with, with white people that I've never experienced my life. What were well, they just wondering? Now. Like, wh- like they, were, they were learning from me. Like, I remember because uh, Cody used to work at, he worked at Walmart for a long time. And he, he would, like, we would just talk about work with each other, just trade stories. And one time he asked me about, uh, <laughs> shout out to Cody. He went to Elizabeth City State University, HBCU. <laughs> no, he didn't. He, he did. He Elizabeth did. State. He did. He told me about the orientation was like uh, the the first orientation at the end of it. A DJ broke out. And then when they went to have lunch, another DJ broke out. And like they were just dancing. And he was just like him and all the six other white people were just like, <laughs> all right, that's what we're going to college at. But I remember one time he was just like uh, uh, a friend of his at work was a black guy. He had asked him. He was like, hey, you think I should cut my dreads off to try to get a better position at work? And he was like, I don't. <laughs> he's like i don't know man i was like yeah it's fucking rough it's messy yeah like that was the first time you really understood it like what do you mean to cut your hair just to fit in just to get better just to have something better for yourself so many people have cut their beautiful dresses it's like man, it's bad it's tough it's bad they just start passing laws now where you can't discriminate yeah. by the hair yeah it's it's bad but like so his dad did the same living situation that I'm in now and then like my other family had done for us that he knew that in that area in Elizabeth City, Camden area. There's nothing there. So 
get y'all shit together, save your money up, and get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, move on. He was like, I make enough money to cover everything in here. Y'all don't have to worry about nothing. If I need help, I'll ask y'all. But I got you. Just work, save your money, go on. Ten months, we stacked up enough money. I even, with that money, because my car had broke down, I ended up buying another car and still had the money to go move and, like, be fine for that first year. So we did that. It was fun. He's going to college. I'm working. I'm still doing that whole, like, all right, new living place. Right. Figuring out people in my workplace, how I get to them from work, what's around me. It was better because everything's more convenient. There's, like, a decent-sized mall 10 minutes away from us. Movie theaters, so it's just like now I feel a little bit more comfortable at ease. To you're making it, you understand, yeah, right? To, to look to look around, like what else? What else is here? What else to do? Uh, now the first two years before I even started comedy in Wilmington, I ain't start comedy in Wilmington, so I was already like four years. Now I was there for like two or three, two or three years. We moved there in 2014. I ain't start till 2016. First time I went on stage was 2015. This is the open mic. Open mic. How'd it 2015. go? It went good. Really what good. possessed you to get up there? You everyone's like, oh, the roommates like you're funny. You should get up. Or um, you just knew? I just felt like I had a funny. I had a funny. I know I had a funny story about when I got stopped. I got stopped at a police checkpoint and I had weed on me and like I was so high that when he asked for my license, I ha- I passed on my clock in card for Applebee's and that's when he was just like, go ahead, go ahead, pull over. Right he there. said, <laughs> he said, pull over. Yeah, he was like, go ahead, pull over right there. But I know I had a funny story. What did he do? How how long did he arrest you or no? Uh, it was a checkpoint. It took my weed. It was two black cops. So luckily, oh, oh, that's good. So luckily, it was just they were just like, "Where'd you get the dope from?" I was just like, "Ah, whatever." You know what? I'm like, I can't tell you that, man. <laughs> I can't, I can't tell you that. But uh, they were just like, "All right, here's your here's your court date and this, that, and the third, and then let me go." They gave you a citation. That's it. And I just had to go to court, the community service, and wiped up nothing. my record. Whew, you were lucky somebody else didn't get you. What? But pop the trunk open, bud. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh. So living in Oakland, like the first two years there in Wilmington, uh, because living in Atlanta, you got to go. I'm pretty sure you know it. The strip club community down there is a it's a different it's different than what people think it is. My cousins work there. It's the experience. It's it's you going out with your friends. Like it's it's you. It's kind of art, <laughs> in a, in a way. These women are butt ass naked, doing all types of aerial maneuvers on a fucking pole. Gymnastics. It is. Acrobat. Gymnast. Ac- acrobatic. Acrobatic. Yeah. So experiencing that in Atlanta, I was like, oh, this is different. It's not just about ass and titties. Like, it's a whole culture around it. I go, then it's like, now I'm on like a trip club kick because like now I'm old enough to go there. And like in North Carolina, these are the only places that's playing music that I like. Mm-hmm. And like, you tell me I just got to pay $6 and I can just have a drink and just chill out on my phone. I used to I used to be in Wilmington at the strip club playing Streets of Rage on my phone, <laughs> playing a game. <laughs> Because Would I, you I like did, a dance. No, I'm trying to get another. It's like continue. I'm cool. I bought a drink. The cocktail waitress, she doesn't mind it because I'm tipping her. Mm-hmm. And like we having the conversation, she sound playing streets to rage. She was like, "Oh, I love that game. We just talking about that." So, <laughs> so I'm just showing people. Bugging. I used to go to hang out at strip clubs. What are you like, Tony Soprano? I was like, I've never seen that show, so I don't get that reference. But <laughs> it was uh, so it was a bounce. I used to be at strip club uh, with the friends I made at Applebee's. They used to go every Sunday. Bouncer, uh, this dude. And it'll come Facebook friends. He was telling me one night, he was like, yo, um, I'm actually going to improv night down at the comedy club. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it. I was like, I ain't doing shit. And I was always down just to do something new. I was like, all right, cool. I kind of know what improv is. Go see improv. I was like, that was cool. And then that club sticks in my head. I don't know how I even knew what an open mic was, 
But I just checked online, seen they had one. I was like, fuck it. And then I picked the Thursday. I remember like I had just got done like making dinner and I had uh I went and signed up I was towards the bottom and I couldn't get in because it was at capacity. Like the club was like the first it was his first year, like mm-hmm. being new. At capacity, I can't get in. I'm like, I'm on the list and uh shout out my baby Marcel. She uh she was just like, Well, it's I don't know what to tell you, you can't you can't come in. I was <laughs> so it's like it it I was nervous but excited at the same time. The set went well and I so was So afterwards, like, what do you say? This is what I want to do? I was like, that was fun and I didn't go back until like six months later, like the following year. So that's six months later, what do we do? When do you start falling in love with it? When do you start after rubbing? after that second time going back up and then being like, Oh, I could keep just just, just doing this? Being funny, right. I could just keep going up and just trying shit and then I just kept doing it and then like the first like three or four months I finally got a laugh. Uh the door girl myself was just like, oh, that was funny. And then the people like being like, oh, good job. And then like killing for the first time. The comments being like, oh, you got it, man. I'm just like, all Who right. Who was the classic comics you came up with? Who were those dudes? All right. So uh, my class, when like we first started, mm-hmm. that that's still around, that will still do comedy stuff. Allie Coleman, that I can remember. If I'm leaving out anybody, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. But distinctly, we were there the, the whole the whole like three or four years. Allie Coleman, Joe LaFever. Why does that name sound familiar, Allie Coleman? Uh, you probably seen her name pop up somewhere okay. on Facebook. But she's in the um, it's that whole like this being from like the being yeah, part beach. of the comedy scene in the South on social media. You'll see everybody eventually once you Got get it. more connected. But yeah, I remember uh, me and Joe was going in around the same time, and like me and Joe leaving leaving out one night and like I ain't do that well but like he took it even harder that he didn't do well he was like man I couldn't even make him laugh I'm like fucking <laughs> fucking happens man I don't know but yeah I just kept, I just didn't stop I remember telling family members like yeah I did an open mic they were like alright <laughs> and then I just kept doing it I remember said it again and I stopped talking about it and then they would call me like what you doing I'm like oh I'm about to go do the open mic it was like you still doing that I'm like yeah she finally she found something consistent. Yeah, and at this time I'm working I'm working uh I'm working two jobs, school and doing comedy. And comedy just I just the bug just like bit me. So like actually I was doing three jobs. I was working two restaurant jobs, Ubering because I got a car lease, mm-hmm. and going to school. And it's like I was able to do it, but I knew I was going to crash and burn real soon. When did you crash and burn? I didn't. I just knew that, like, I can't do all of this, so I need to let something go. And I was transitioning to another job that possibly get paid more, ended up getting fired from a job because of scheduling situation, so I was just doing that and Ubering, so that that eased up some stuff. And then um, Trump got elected, and then that next day I dropped out of school. Why, because he was elected? Or you just- yeah, it was, like, after that, that's when I was like, oh, this don't mean shit, fuck it, just... <laughs> Go for broke. Fuck it. Go for broke. Bet on me. Bet everything. I'd rather have it like this. Just the beauty about comedy, doing stand-up, is that for me, it's all on me. Yeah. As far as I want to go, how sexual as I want to be, it's all on me. All right. So you're doing comedy, what, three years, four years? When do you move? When do you, what What happens to you get to New York? Who are the people that tell you about New York? Or now, do you start seeing? Because there's now, like a wave of North Carolina comics that went now, to New York. Let me hold on before I get into that. Let me let me send a message to somebody real quick. Now before before that, now I had to like about 
six, about like eight months in, close to my first year. It was like a summer, the summer 2016. Yeah, mm-hmm. summer 2016, uh, I actually came up to New York. Who'd you come up with? Came up with Tyler Wood. Tyler Wood and Drew Harrison. Okay. Uh, now, this, this is like, it was like at an open mic, and they were, Tyler just extends the offer. Definitely one of the hardest working, like, stand-ups I've been around and got to learn from because, like, he does role work. He's like that whole, like, all right, I'm funny. I got jokes. Where's the money at? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm tired of doing this for free. So, like, he's the one that finds these these places to get paid in the South where you can work it, working on marketing and stuff. He's the one put me on the voice acting. He's a very good friend. Uh, he reaches out, and he's just straight up honest with me. He was just like, uh, don't really know much about you personally, but, like, I don't really have a problem with you. We can tolerate each other. I don't mind being in the car with you, and you're funny. Would you like I'm going to New York in August. Would you like to come? I was like, I'll think about it. And then, like, coincident enough, my aunt, who lives up here, mm-hmm. texts me, like, a picture of a hammock because, like, I haven't heard from him in a while. Like, because right this time, me getting my shit together, my family's getting their shit together. And Correct. my aunt had just recently, they just bought a house in Brooklyn. And, like, they're, they're finally, like, kind of, like, relaxing and stuff, just checking on me. And I was just like, damn, I should probably go. And so I tell him, I was like, all right, I'm going to go um, now. And he was talking about, like, saving the money for Airbnb. And I was like, now I'm not going to do the Airbnb thing because I got family up there. I can see if y'all can stay there. And maybe that'll help. And it was like, all right, cool. My family was just like, yeah, y'all can stay. Four of us. I even invited Cody because he doesn't, he barely leaves the South. I'm like, now nah, you need to experience life. Right. And, like, you need to. I made sure of that. I brought him to my, uh, it was my aunt's 60th birthday. He's like, just come up. Yeah, the fan, it's a family picture with me on the side doing the jail pose and then Cody just, just <laughs> off to the side. <laughs> What's up? I'm his lawyer. Exactly. It was, uh, so we're, we're driving, we're doing like a little tour. We stop in Richmond first, uh, just seeing some stuff. Staying in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. Taking a train, doing comedy up here. I really appreciate it because I got to do I got the experience, like, working comedy in New York, like, that hustle of being like, all right, we did this mic, there's another spot we could go do, mm-hmm. or there's a show they got on, or being like, they can't get me on this show, but maybe I might be able to get myself on the show if I just wait, and it was one of those just, like, like back at the barroom shows, trying right. to uh, bark people in, they couldn't, but me just being so brand new was just like, all right, y'all here yeah. listening. Fuck it. I'll tell jokes. And right. so I just told my jokes and like it, it went it went okay. Like I definitely remember some faces like that's when I first met Jimmy Peoples when he had Grizzly Pear, when that shit was literally just a soapbox and a, a light <laughs> hanging from the ceiling. Uh Rishi Mar uh Martha, I think that's how you say his name. Met him up here. He had a show. He put us on. That was when I cause I used to talk really low. I was real shy on stage. And the mic went out on his show, so I had no choice but to yell. So like it, it helped me it helped me with projecting my voice. And then um Freddie G. I remember meeting Freddie G up G up here like years ago. I remember meeting him, uh Courtney Farrington. Yep. Him and Shalewa. They they had, they had that, a uh, mic and what was it called? Uh I forgot. Hood Hood something. I had gangsta boot gangsta. Oh, I forgot. I had it was at the creek and like yeah, at the bottom I had, six o'clock. I had bombed. I got sunned and bombed the whole three minutes. It was just so, so humbling, 
so humbling because now I, I get to go back to North Carolina after this and be like, oh, none of us are funny. None of us are ready. None of us are ready for it. So, like, we need to get ready. And then also these this one mic that everybody's only going to is not enough. And that's why I'm like, where else can I go? People trying to tell me I should chill out. I'm like, nah, like, where, where, like I'm listening. But I'm just like, I'm going to go figure it out for myself. They tell me a little bit about Raleigh. I wait like a year or two before I start going there. But like there was a there's a music mic in Wilmington. It's not the juggling gypsy anymore, but the host will give you like ten minutes. That's enough. Ten minutes, six months in. You let me talk into a microphone for ten minutes? It's fine. After that first year, I just ran all the material I had and I was like, Oh, I could do eleven minutes on stage. That's what's up. So it was a <laughs> it was just like I learned the use of like mics and then Getting feet, getting guest spots at the club, learning how so you to. You start traveling. You start going to Raleigh. So you're really working the area. You're working that whole. Because you had, it, it was so scarce and like desperate for stage time because everybody wanted out of their nine to five. The ultimate yeah. goal obviously was to make a living off of being funny mm-hmm. some way, somehow. And to start, it was with stand up. So when do you say, all right, I'm done, I'm ready to go to New York? Where, when does that happen? This is this is already in my mind by like halfway through, halfway through year two. So like a does year Cordero and a half come first or do you come first? Cordero was already there. Cordero he was, was like f- hiding though. Cord- nah, not even. It was a uh, it's some weird Highlander shit with uh with with black nerds that we kind of do, especially the ones that grew up in the hood that like had the you you gotta uh that whole like you gotta be able to like code switch all the time i always get that vibe with uh with other black nerds was like i don't even know that it's a nerd yet until we start talking but it's like remember that key and peel sketch with the two mixed dudes in the um <laughs> in the improv class they still each other shine like it's like it's an unnecessary thing like that kind of it was never said and it was never something it was never a problem i just knew that this has happened to me before and that's what's happening now neither one of us are making an effort to say hello to each other well i remember with grant was telling me he was hiding. I was like, what are you hiding from? Just come out. And then when he came, he goes, you know Cordero's here. I was like, oh, I met him in North Carolina. He goes, I was like, where is he? He's in New Jersey. I was like, well, tell him to come out here. I was like, y'all just been out here hiding? This like, I mean, it's... Well, they were hitting up mics that we never heard of and stuff like that. But I was like, yeah, come out. And then we would all uh, be all three of us. We didn't think... I had to start paying attention to that, too. Because, like, I started doing that. Um, Once I first moved up here, it was like... All right, I don't know what the fuck is going on, and I know a lot of people, and they're all doing different stuff. But I know enough people from North Carolina that is like, so mafia. All right, let's make a group chat. Let's just share information because even y'all are lost. Even the ones <laughs> that have been up here for three or four years, <laughs> y'all still don't know what the fuck you're doing. Right. So we need to figure out something. Like when I when I finally linked up with Grant, like up here. He immediately, I was just like, dog, I can't do this paying for Mike shit. He was like, oh, no, 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 I got you. And then he gave me that list that you gave him. Then from off of that list, I made my own list, and mm-hmm. I gave him my list. And then from there, I just kept sharing information on him. But it was, I don't, I knew I wanted to move to New York for comedy because I was just like, well, it's that, you, if, you, not, if you're going to do it, you got to come here. You got to come here. You got to play in the You the got league. to. You got to. So, and then definitely experience it early on. I was just like, I got to do it again and, like, actually be up here and do it. But I definitely was planning on like doing it pretty much how you're doing it, my own place, and just like really working it. 
Fortunately, I'm doing it. Feels good to be with family, though. Yeah, it's nice. It's a def. It's a definite nice boost. Nice food over there, boy. Uh, what? When I came over that soup, I had. I had Let me Von, get some broth, please. I had Von Michael over one night with like from my early sessions of Negro Jump, trying to figure it out, and like it was late as hell. But I was like, "You hungry?" He was like, "Yeah." I just gave him some rice and beans. He was like, "Bro, you didn't realize how long it's been since I had real food?" I was like, "Damn." <laughs> Because cause Von is a road comic. Von came up here struggling. Man, <laughs> he this is the wrong place for him. Like, you got to get off the road, man. Yeah, you got to be in the city for real. Nah, it's just, and then, then he left, like, respectfully, because it's like, this ain't my way. Because as soon as he left, that's when he was on it. He was yeah, it's a, the, those roadheads, roadheads, it's just like so much of the city in L.A. is just being in there. You can't take those weekends off. You nah, got to be here. You so gotta, you got to be there. I remember I was doing Long Island. They're like, where are you going on the weekends? I said, I'm going out here. Like, no, nah, you got to be here. I was like, F it. Well, I got to stay here more. Right. It's, 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 it's different. It's and he's funny, too. That's the thing. It's like, even funny when you're, shit. Even when you're funny, it's just like so much of the city is just being around people. Like, I remember going to a mic with him. It was like uh, one of those hipster Brooklyn mics. And... I was telling him before, I was like, I, I still don't know what it is. It's not the people, it's the energy. Like, it's a weird energy about them. Got to learn how to ride it. That's not true. Like, matching. Now, Grant is there. He goes up. He's in a, He's in his work mode. He just does his jokes. He out. We go up, like, later on. I think he goes up. Vaughn goes up uh, before me. He's running his bits, and, like, nothing's really hitting, and it trips him up for a second. Me, I'm learning to ride the wave a little bit. Where it's just like, all right, you got it, and I gotta acknowledge y'all first for this awkwardness, and then tell a joke and see where it goes. Still bomb. And then Von was just like, damn, that was weird. I was like, I told you, nigga, like this shit is different. And sometimes it's just like we're spoiled down south because all of our open mics in front of real man, people and real crowds. When I you tell get up you, here, it's I just tell comics you, laughing at the comics. I they tell think you funny. what, man, them them conservative white people know how to laugh, boy. That's what said. Trump supporters have the best time at comedy shows. <laughs> They have the be- they have the best shows, man. They oh. buy merchandise, everything. Oh my god! Some lady gave me a hundred dollars. This is for the kids. I Boy, said, yeah, get you a uh, three wristbands, please. One of, one of the mo- one of the only monthlies in Wilmington. Uh, it was at a coffee shop, and this dude, his mother would come every other show. She came with a friend one time. That's when I really started taking it seriously. Like once people started giving me feedback, mm-hmm. so one was just like, like I can. I can see it in you, like 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 Chris Rock. I'm like, all right, all right, lady, like, yeah, don't put that battery in my back. Like, it's, I'm trying to be humble right now, but then like I remember Randy one show, the owner's mother just slid me fifty dollars. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, they start doing that. Start yeah. doing. I think it was that moment where I remember the owner at club in Florida. He was just like, he it was like something. Something happened where this comic, it was uh, Kevin James' brother, was late. I think, and all the comics there, the show was running an hour late. And he just said, I got all the guys in the dugout. Let them loose. And we were just sitting there. Yeah, pop up, pop up. It was like all three of us just ready. We just always just be sitting at the club waiting. Somebody drop out. Hey, go do 15. Is he? yep. My boy Cam, he worked in the, he not now, but he was the, the sound guy. Soon as somebody dropped out, I'll take this shirt off right now. Do 15. <laughs> <laughs> he was saying that. I'll take this they shirt off and do they 15. They don't get that, man. Like, we were like, always just ready, ready. Soon I, as a comment came in town, we're always in their ear. Like Dead Crow was uh it was such a small scene and like downtown Wilmington was so expensive, just real estate there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that now, but it was frustrating was just after a while, it was just like, y'all don't got a budget for, for much. Like it was only a, but like they said, the only reason they started paying the host because they realized the host is so critical for the show to go well. Taking that bullet. So it's, I mean like guest spots and like people like openness and stuff. 
Like, you get booked on that regularly, but, like, it's not paying. Even if you're doing, like, 20 minutes, it was a fight to get that. But, like, that just opened up the room for anything else to be like, all right, well, since y'all just we all just know each other, like, on a friend level now, management, they would reach out. They would reach out to us and be like, could uh, somebody work tickets tonight? I'll pay you $50. Amen. Pay fifty out. Like it was, it was becoming a thing. Like once a month, I'll work tickets Friday and Saturdays, or like I would help them work the door seating people. That's fifty dollars for the night. And it was like one night where uh, they needed they needed somebody to open, and I was there. And then like another coincidence, I remember uh, like so many regulars there at the club. That's why I was just like, "Oh, you going out tonight?" I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, nah, I'm just working the door." And then like, I just end up going out tonight. I'm like, "Well, this is awkward." Like, <laughs> people start seeing you. Oh, you go, you up tonight? Yeah, I love your yeah. joke. It's that's what definitely it it helped me with with comedy because having only one place to go to tell jokes. After a while, I start realizing like, ah, oh, it's the half of this room already seen me tell these jokes. They already mm-hmm. heard this before. I gotta start cranking it. I gotta try something. Or get it to more people. Yeah, like, cause it, it got to a point, like, even on weekend shows, paid shows. I mean, I'm not getting paid, but it's just like, I can't keep giving these people the same jokes. Mm-hmm. So I would just try new shit. Bomb. Bomb hard. Half, and like, I started learning that, like, all right, up top, fuck it. But just give them that guarantee at the end. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. Has your dad ever seen you do stand up? Uh, I think he's watched a clip. I think he's seen a clip. I told him, I told him my first joke over the phone. And he he laughed. laughed. Yeah, yeah. What about your mother? Have she seen you live before? Uh, nah, just the clip. Only, only my brother and oh. my two aunts have seen me. Do you want that? Do you want your? Fa- do you? I want- don't mind it. I don't mind it now. And I try to disclaim them like, like is. I say whatever. <laughs> I say. But what's the relationship now as a grown man? What's it like talking to your pops now when y'all talk? It's it's um. Is he sad a little bit? Like when I say like when y'all have those I conversations, does he have those? I understand him completely now, and understanding that he's still trying to figure out himself, and unfortunately, neither one of us are in a position to really help each other like that, because we're still we're both still on our own path, trying mm-hmm. to figure out stuff. We're still trying to figure it out. What about your mother? My mother is kind of getting to that place. She uh she ended up taking my cat because my aunt already has a cat. And two adult female cats, apparently it just doesn't work. And my mother is just, she's kind of getting, like, content in that place of just being comfortable. Got her own place back, like a one-bedroom apartment. She's in North apartment. Carolina or she's She's in, in North. She's a Jersey oh, girl Oh, so you can see your mother. Yeah, she's a good, she's a Jersey girl through and through. When's the last time y'all just sat down and just talked, you and her? Uh, It's mainly on the phone. Before all of this, it was... uh. This is a whole nother episode, but um, last year I found out I had a um, I have an uncle that got lost in the system. You have an uncle. I have a so my mother has a younger brother that she never knew about and she never knew existed. Until Did he last hit year. you up? Uh, I mean, I hit him up now. Now, as a being an adult, as a grown man, definitely understanding mental health and stuff like just being black people, we need to talk more. Yeah. Regard like with everybody. So now I was missing that a lot as a kid of just mm-hmm. having just another male to look up to just ask questions or not take advantage to ask right. a lot of questions to family members. So like even now with him, I was uh like I walked out of my job at Old Navy like a few weeks ago because I didn't really like I've been working. I was one of the first wave of people to go back to work during mm-hmm. quarantine. 
because clothes are essential. People need clothes. Old Navy ships from store, so we just shop from people in the store. So I walked through those first couple of weeks through the George Floyd murder, mm. all of the protests, and then that phase one of opening. The phase one of opening, that's what did it for me because, like, I was even, like, I was almost losing it doing all the protests and stuff. The only thing that was keeping me together was just being busy at work and, like, listening to music. But then once I couldn't listen to music anymore and, like, people are in the store now, nobody's following social distancing. Mm. People are taking a mask off once again in the store, like, on top of each other. And they can't really enforce it because people are low on my, like, I get it now with, with fucking, um, the way money works is just that they don't have enough money for that. They could, we can only just tell people like, cause you spaced out, but it's, it was a lot. And one day I was just like, I told my manager, I was like, I don't think I could work today. He let me catch a breath of fresh air. And I just broke down, got myself together just to get back inside and be like, can't even do it. So I just got myself together, clocked out. And so it's my, like, just let me out. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, can't go call back a few days later. And was like, like, my bad, but it's just, like, I realized, like, I've been having panic attacks at work and just been working through it. Do you see a therapist? No. Do you want to? Not really. <laughs> yeah, it's been... You don't think that'll help, though? It does, but... Instead of dealing with it by yourself. I have so many people around me that have just been through enough. So, yeah. Okay. I could just... I, I've been to therapy before as a kid. The only bad experience from that was just that they diagnosed me with... ADD and depression and mm-hmm. just gave me Adderall and you don't think that was effective no it was too effective to what it has effects on me now okay that like they introduced a stimulant in me early on and then I started chasing that in like my 20s so I started doing psychedelic I started I picked up high I picked up I picked up weed well I picked up weed in high school and weed is like, can't even blame weed or whatever, because like we was just like it was strictly recreational, just being bored. Like I was talking yeah. to my boy Jamar, but it was like, yo, he was like, yo, we used to get lit. I was, he was like, we used to get lit all the time. I was like, for no reason. We was like, for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. We had no reason to just be like getting like high and like drinking and shit. But like, what psychedelics were you taking though? Uh, I was on mushrooms, heavy. What was your first experience with mushrooms? Like, what did you? It see? was fun. It was a lot of. It was just. It was like HD. It was like looking through a HD lens and just being like in a really good mood. And you think after you were di- after you went to that therapist, that's what you were chasing? That that same uh, that's the only thing I can think of now. There's no real diagnosing it, but like shrooms, what else did you take? Uh that was it. I I had a clear level head on, on my shoulders that like, all right, I'm curious about cocaine, but that's only an extreme special occasion that was just it. like I'll try it. It's it's for me. It's just like if I met some, if I met people mm-hmm. who are shit on it and also are functional. It's like one of those that like it's a gamble, but it's just like I'm not I'm not going to immediately be like hell. No, I ain't going to never do it because I'm just like I'm curious about it because this person is functioning off of it. Like my boy went to was comic. He was kind of big in the scene. He did an MTV show. He came back with a coke habit. Right. Boy he came back with a coke habit. Next you know it, this dude and his wife at comic goes. She goes, hey, isn't that a guy from MTV? I was like, yeah, yeah, we know him. He goes, he just asked me that I want to party. I told him, yeah, let's party it up. She goes, he's talking about drugs. Right. It's like, oh. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's just like, I'm cool. Like, just just weed and mushrooms. And then after mushrooms, it's just like, it got to a point where I started realizing myself. Because, like, since 
I'm always talking to myself, like always mm-hmm. aware, always thinking about stuff. I was like, something's off. I don't know what. Because I became real depressed, started having like just real common suicidal thoughts. Oh, wow. Not like I'm going to do it. It was just like, what if I did it? Who would care about me or who would Yeah, just, me? just going down that rabbit hole, just like just thinking about it. And luckily I had a, f- a friend in the owner at Dead Crow where like, I had did acid for the first time, and it was terrible timing because uh, that's when that Donald Glover This Is America came out. Yeah. And I had watched it, and I'm high as shit, and I'm seeing it, and, like, that was the first time I can see, like, that was the first time I can, like, point to somebody. I'm like, that's how I feel every day. Mm. That's how I can show you depression and anxiety. Wow. Every single day for me of, like, him in a video – of when he starts, when, like, his face is all disgruntled and he's, like, dancing, like, trying to fight through it. Mm-hmm. But, like, still trying to show, like, he's just, just okay. like, nah, like, I'm I'm okay. But, like, look at all of this craziness going on. And then look at me trying to fight it. And then even at the end of it, when he's running down a dark hall and everybody's just chasing him with, like, which is just wanting just him just being terrified. Like, yeah. that was a thing. And, like. It just really hit me. I showed Cody the video. Like, I just, I kept, I watched it, like, three, two or three times. was sharing it with people. I showed uh, Timmy, Timmy Sherrill the video, the uh, the owner of Dead Crow, another comedian, very funny. I showed, I, t- I called him. I was like, yo, you got to watch this video. Because, like, I actually started a podcast with Timmy. Well, like, I wanted to do something where, like, I couldn't figure out what exactly. But I knew I wanted to start with, like, a young black guy from the north talking to a this middle-aged white guy from the South and how we're able to just be friends through comedy and like have like those conversations. But I grew, I grew that, I grew that uh, relationship with him to where I had his number. I called him. I was like, you should watch this. And then like later on that night, he just called me up and he just knew all the right buttons to press. Well, like he's seen it before. He knew I was depressed. He knew I was thinking like, suicide like just having suicidal thoughts and i just like broke down about it and he was just like are you feeling all right right now like do you want me you feel like you're gonna hurt yourself and i was like i don't fucking know man he was like if i come over there like would you mind me just taking you somewhere so that way you don't and i was like fuck it like, where, did he, where did he take you to the hospital oh wow so you were baker acted put put some clothes on he met me at the door his wife was there they were real just chill about it he helped me just fill out the paperwork, uh, took my clothes off, put on a nightgown, and just spent the night in the hospital room. What about now? Do you Are you happy now? What does that moment mean to you? What did that mean to you when they did that for you? Did you appreciate it, or did you feel betrayed? Well, awkward, awkward, did... awkwardly enough, that's when I started coming down off the shrooms, and I was just like, oh, okay, I need to slow down. Okay. I need to, I need to slow down. So it was, and then being like, them telling me, no, you can't call anybody. You can only sit here and watch TV and just wait till the morning. Mm. So it was like, well, I've been through this before. Somewhere I don't want to be, but I got to go. I got to be here for hours. So it's like, fuck it. I'll, I'll get through it. Uh, eventually went to sleep for a few hours, woke up. They gave me food. I had to eat. Got myself together. Timmy was right there waiting for me when I, che- I checked out. Luckily, I was working a job. I had insurance. So like that took care Pay of that for it. hospital bill. And then they turned me to a program where it was like affordable therapy. 
Now, with that time, I was still trying to figure out where to put my money because I only have so much to put between comedy and everything else. Right. So this $50 you're telling me once a month to do, this is my comedy money I was using to go to Raleigh to do more mics, to do more spots. Because mm-hmm. mics uh, is more stage time because it's free. All of it's free. You're just paying gas to get there. You just got to sign up. And it was it was helpful with acknowledging I did have a, I did have an abuse problem with marijuana and shrooms. And then I went, luckily, it was a black guy I got to talk to about what was going on. Well, I told him, like, that experience on on uh, acid mm-hmm. of watching that video and him being like, yeah, it was a very interesting video. I was like, yeah, that was the first time I could really tell somebody that's anxiety and depression. And he's just like, oh, like he actually made sure to take note mm-hmm. of that specifically. That would have never happened with a white person. Right. Of that really meaning something, black men and black men and being like, yeah, this was a an incredible video of of just people getting to see like like watch what happens because like a month later that song was being played in clubs in downtown Wilmington. Like yeah. that that song is triggering to me now. Mm. So so you go you go you get out the hospital. Have you ever talked to Tim about it? Have you ever talked that that talk about it now or do y'all just don't speak about it? It's a traumatic experience. You yeah, know what I mean? You thought about kinda, death, you know. It's, it's, it's kinda it's kinda one of those things that's still, like still still triggering now. It's like, all right. I understand now I have a very strong family background come from. And also I'm a very strong will minded person. I do stand up comedy. I've been doing it for four years now. Do you think it's crazy that you feel so loved but you feel so alone at the same time? Yeah, but that's only because y'all really don't understand my brain. Mm. I'm still learning my brain. Correct. And that's the only problem. It's just that y'all just don't understand it. That's it. That's the only thing. But with Timmy, it's from there, it just became of like, it was just open. If I needed to say something, he, he was, was right there. there. But it was on me to bring it up. What about mentally right now in this state of mind? 2020, how do you feel? Do you feel better? Do you feel more ha- are you I do, happier? I do feel life? better because now I definitely I feel more of a purpose. Corona, COVID, like all this stuff has been like a blessing in disguise, like a double-edged sword. Because What's the blessing? The blessing is that everything, it stopped everything that I didn't need to be doing. Okay. That includes working a nine to five. Okay. That includes being out here in the comedy streets trying to be like, I need to do stage time. Where for these past two years, I'm like, why do it just feels like a rat race and nobody's, it's taking everybody forever to progress. You got somebody like Andre Thompson, Mm -hmm. hilarious guy, native, been doing it in the city for eight years, Mm -hmm. been passed at every single club. In the city, which is damn near unheard of. Yeah. He does late night spots. He knows people that are doing stuff. He just got Fallon. If you would ask Andre, do you think he would have been ready five years ago to do Fallon? Probably. Probably, but do you think he would kill as hard as he killed now with eight years of experience? I don't know. That's definitely a good question. He's a beast now. He's a beast. I'm pretty sure if you met Wolverine... 
Right. Before he had that, before he took that little dip in the water, he completely different ready. animal. Is sometimes his timing is, 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 is I I feel the same way. Just like dang, I'm ready now. But when I got to the city, I thought I was ready. But now, four years in the city, when I get back home, I'm like, oh, Jerry, you're a different type of. I didn't even know I had this type of skill. It's really showing me now, like, is by the time anybody gets to you, you'll be overprepared. That's for, good to be over instead of underprepared. You'll be over. You'll be overprepared. I feel like rogue, to be honest with you. Rogue I'll be sucking people's powers away. Absolutely. As soon as I see that, oh, okay, this is learning all right. from everybody. It's a learning thing. I'm trying to take Captain people, Marvel out. I'm I, trying to put you in that hospital after I I'm done with you. I throw people curveballs when they ask me for recommendations about comedy or ask me like, who do I like? Especially with other comedians, where I'm like, the not so obvious, like the Chappelle's and the Patrices. I go with uh, Dion Cole because mm-hmm. he's always been an influence. He was the first comedian I watched a YouTube clip, like back in like '08. Mine is Galifianakis. It, it'll be, but see, my curveball when I say Dion Cole is like, oh, it's a funny black guy, but I'm like Maria Bamford. Oh, yeah. Because she's all the way different, but like, I cannot stop watching her and like, she still makes me laugh. But she's so different. Maria, she's wild. Some else, someone else that I like is, I like Gallagher. I don't know why crazy it is. But I think there's a method to his craziness, but he's like on psychedelics. Yeah, he's he's just way out there. And like Maria and that same thing with like she's open about her mental breakdown and like her her problems mentally, but like having to just adapt and like finding a husband that she could communicate with and then being able to showcase that on stage yeah. very well. Extremely well. Where it's just like, no, this is me twenty four seven. All the time. But I'm starting to get influenced by my peers now. Now I'm more influenced by the people I see around. Seeing Jamar Neighbors work out his album before he put it out, that was one of the wildest scenes I've seen in my life. That nigga's wild as hell. And I asked him about his courage, and I was like, dang, he don't get, he, he's so secure with his stand-up, it don't matter to him. He was at the, I remember seeing him at the Grizzly Pair, you know, at the Pair McDougal, you'll have foreigners in the crowd. It was a small, it was probably like five or six people. And he gets on stage, and it, him just being like, where are y'all from? <laughs> Damn, y'all for Europe? All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nigger. <laughs> Damn. All right. <laughs> Some people just be like, they. I I, I respect like the, the fearlessness or the, the wildness. And shoot, I met Theo. Before Theo Vaughn blew up, blew up, mm-hmm. we met him in Tampa when he was like down on his luck. And I was like, dude, you're so funny. And he was kind of like depressed about it. Like, man... Whenever the lore hits, man. Just keeping and that faith. And I was like, man, he was just like, he didn't. He was like down a little bit. Like he was kind of like snappy. I was like, hey, do you play the cellar? Do you play the cellar? And I was like, I know we live here in Tampa, man. <laughs> but like he would just beat. I was remember he was just beating the piss out of this club. And I was like, dude, you're so hilarious. Why have you da da da? And I was like, oh, now I get it now. There's so many phases of like ups. There's so many phases of down. But it's like everyone has something now. Yeah, like definitely with the internet, like you have a talent to showcase. So how did y'all link up? How did you and Cordero? You said you were one half. Well, we were like, by, the, by the time right before Cordero was leaving, that's when we started really like, like clicking up. That's when we, I started finding like the core group and uh in the Wilmington scene, like the guys that are around our age. Like one time we did a uh, we did a road trip. It was like six or seven of us. Mm-hmm. We just went to Raleigh to a uh, to a barcade. We just went and hung out and just got fucked up in Raleigh, like just smoking weed and like drinking and shit. And we just made like a whole thing. And then from there, like we all just kind of kept hanging out. Some of us kept moving, got busier. And then um, 
me and our boy uh, Jack Nelson, we started a podcast. And, like, Jack and Cordero are already, like, cool as shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just started, like, linking up more and more. And then Cordero, like, left. Then it was just, like, me, Jack, and Joe that was kind of, like, just linked up uh, Tyler D's or whatnot. And we just we just stayed around because, like, we were all around the same age, all trying to figure out how to be adults. But y'all got good chemistry, though, like the chemistry that y'all yeah. have. I've done their podcast, and you could tell how you guys know when to feed off of each other. We're finding out more and more that we grew up damn near exactly the same. Y'all seem like distant relatives. Single, single uh He might be the uncle that parents. got lost in the system. Exactly. Single parents. <laughs> both single his parents, mom's in New Jersey, too. Both moved up and down the East Coast. Both sent, spent time in New Jersey and in North Carolina, like a lot of time there. And just, just, just having these similar backgrounds of just like, I use like the nerdy nigga too, but like you want know, some hood shit. Like his new his uh where he's staying at now in um in Brooklyn, like being over his house and just hanging out, just being myself because like I already know him. I've been doing episodes with this nigga, like I know him. Just being myself and then like his roommates, regardless if they white or not, them just not knowing this other side of Cordero. Mm-hmm. And then he's saying that they actually trying to just be, make him feel more comfortable being like what do you want to watch? Cordero, like, what do, like, how about we watch it? Like, being genuine about it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, we really didn't really link up until we got up here because he was up here, like, a whole year before me. But I knew once I got up here, I'm like, all right, Charlie Dawson, who's been up here for three years, I saw him after a year, like, after, like, a year or two of being up here. He came back down to Wilmington, did shows. I'm like, oh, he got better because I remember mm-hmm. when he first started. So I'm going to be hitting you up as soon as I get, got up here. That got moved up ahead because uh, I ended up moving, like, that following, like, fall. He was the first person I hit up because I was just like, all right, what have you been doing? Right. Where are the places you've been going? Like, I need a, I need somewhere to start off with as far as comedy-wise. So I was hanging out with him for the first couple of months. Just like, what are you doing? Let's hang out. Like, you smoking. Like, let's, let's do mics. Let's, let's do all of this shit. Cordero's still in New Jersey. He finally gets over here. And then that's when we started just linking up, still lost trying to figure out something. Then it's just like, shit, I don't mind doing another podcast because this stand-up shit is so ass right now because and it's so hard clo- to break you in. You get closer to a person when you guys are here. Like in North Carolina, there's every reason to not be as close because there's, ev- there's all these other distractions. But when you're here, you're going to get closer to the people from your hometown. Yeah. It feels good to have a partner out here. Yeah, you know, another, another dude, another guy that used to move around and spend a lot of time in North Carolina. Same He's mindset. up there trying to figure out stuff. And then we start hanging out, talking about doing a podcast. Well, it was just like, well, let's just talk about this nerdy stuff. But I was just like, I was so dead set on just like I wanted to be for us, but I wanted to be as open as possible with oh, it. That, that, that one where we went to the live show. The live show. Where was it? I don't know where it was. The tank. I, yeah. The tank. But you and that girl, Ramen Noodles or Noodles. Uh, shout out to Patty from Black Ramen. Podcast. Black Ramen Noodles. Yeah. yeah. That was my first time meeting her in person. But that was good. Like the way you guys played off of each other, everything else. And I was just like, man, you can't buy chemistry. No. Can't buy. It. You can't buy when two people genuinely enjoy each other and want each other to get better. There's no jealousy. There's no animosity. It's, it's just all like, love. It's it's all love. It's all and that and that black anime community is such a great place because it's we all of us are finding each other now. Even with even with Patty, what like she said, what's made her start the uh her podcast? She she ended up finally going to like an anime meetup because she found online. She went and like she's all for it because now she's an adult. She's always loved anime and she's never had a community. 
she never found that group of people to connect with. And so now she finally found them. And now they even being like giving her the cold shoulder. She's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go start my own shit. And it's just, you know, so many black people, we guess we didn't know. We all were watching the same thing. We were just it, like the because out of that group of 10, it was only three of us really fucking with it. Yeah. It was only well, three well, of us really fucking with it. Everybody was at for Dragon Ball Z. In my yeah. Day. Yeah. But then it's like it goes beyond that. And then that's when people just like when people start oh, nah. playing sports is when it stops. Yes. When people yep. start playing sports, that's when it stops because you don't got enough time to be yeah. into it like that. And I just took it respectfully. I'm like, all right, everybody's not trying to talk about this one thing. So. I just chill out, and just talk about talk about whatever. We we'll just do whatever. But when my, it comes up, I'm my right brother here. was on last Airbender hard in college. That shit was hard. He was in college, and then I was like, when I when uh what's Ang? Yeah, Ang. When uh when he goes, you burned my sister. I was like, oh, freak, <laughs> oh, what was Ang over there doing? And that's like season one. Yeah, when I, I watched the whole, we watched both three acts, and my little sister's on it, and I was just like, man, it's so many good. It's so a good-ass good, show. So many good shows and so many anime. I feel like cartoons can just... And then when they try to make it... <sighs> that's, this is for your podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's a, it's, it's a real thing. It's that, it's that whole thing of... First of all, black people in America, we've been looking for our identity. We talked about this when we recorded. It's mm -hmm. like, we want our identity so bad, but it's just like, we are our own type of black. And that's what sucks about being in America. It's like, we've been brainwashed and pit against each other so much. Is that... We not realizing like we only need us. Right. We only need us. Like being in that black comedians group on Facebook, I got paid fifty dollars over quarantine because somebody was looking to record and I had recording equipment. equipment. Mm -hmm. And I could pull I'll pull up to you. Yeah. It's 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 such a I think everyone's starting to realize now with technology they're using it for the right way. Yeah. We need to be talking to each other, need to be connected. Okay. So now we're at the point of the podcast. This is we call these hilltop questions. You can answer however you want. You can take as much time as you want. And uh this is how this is how we end it. So it could be one one answer questions, it could be long form, whatever you want. This is question number one. Here we go. Uh do you believe in God? No. I can't I would like to entertain it and, and be like, yeah, part of me does, but I don't. I don't I as of right now I just believe in just good people. I believe in karma more than anything. I believe in karma in my life. That's why I make sure I'm nice as much as possible. So this this following question, you won't get this one then. It said who's your favorite person in the Bible? <laughs> she hit <laughs> she I don't. I don't. The now, now. Well, you can, when you think of the Bible, who do you think of? What person you can? think I mean, of it's always of? it's always Jesus. But now I'm really seeing it with the because, of course, there's, there's, there's different iterations of the Bible, mm -hmm. but it's always Jesus. So I'm thinking his story got twisted so much that Jesus just sounded like a person that spoke very well of humans and just saw us in such a, a great and divine way that he got 12 people to follow him and be like, nah, we riding with this guy because what the what the lords of the land are saying, like, we not really fucking with it. And he was such a rebel, too. A yeah, he was he a was rebel. Doing, he was the one saying, nah, this is not. This ain't it. I feel like people have misconstrued religion. They took his messages and they transferred it to 
do their own thing to hold everything else. And the whole time he's just like, this is for everybody. I want to love everybody. Who should we judge? It, it, it Gentiles happened. and everything else. It happened with having such a Christian background. Now, my, my grandmother, who's still alive in North Carolina, she goes more with the Catholic side. And that's when it really started when I just started seeing Catholicism. There's not just more than there's more than one way to celebrate God and Jesus. How does she deal with you not believing in God? She she just prays for me. That's it. I'm she just prays for, for me you, and just she just lit when I talk to her, she just hears that she doesn't have to worry about me not believing in them because I'm a good person. Like she okay. did her job. So regardless of not if I believe in God, I'm on the right path. When's the last time you had a nightmare? I don't know. I stopped I stopped being scared of dreams. It was just like, damn, that was weird. Or intense. <laughs> it's yeah, it's been a minute. What's your biggest fear? It's probably death because I just don't know what's going to happen. That's mine too. Everything up until this point now that I've been scared of, even like being intimate with somebody. Once I got past that, and that's that's past, when I say intimate, I mean just sharing emotions with a person. This is my next question. Do you believe in soulmates? Yeah. Do you have one? I think so. Are you dating now or no? Nah, it's we. It's a it's a woman already shouted out. It's already feel awkward just even <laughs> saying it, saying it like out in the open. But funny, funny enough, um, yeah, it's the first time I'm even saying it publicly. So this woman named Marcel. She was a door girl at the comedy club in Wilmington. Oh, she's back in North Carolina. Back in North Carolina. So she's seen me since my very first time on stage. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've always wanted was just like, if I'm going to do this, I would love to build something with somebody that was there from the start when I ain't had shit, when I wasn't funny on stage. She's Spanish, white. Spanish. Mm-hmm. She's uh, Most Salva- girls are always Salvadoran. Spanish. Salvadorian. She, uh, first person to like, give me a compliment about it, and then it got to a point where – it's like, all right, I got to work at this club, but, like, now I'm tired of just being around the people every week. And luckily, it was, like, it was awkward enough that, like, you go downstairs at the club, and then there's this little space where it was enough for her chair and this little table where she would check IDs and stuff. I would just sit at the bottom of the stairs because it could be complete chaos. Sil- it was silence. It was enough silence. And I can still see and hear what's going on. And if I wanted to, I could talk to her. But she was fine with just letting me just, I would just ask, like, you mind if I just sit here just to be in Is she older than silent? you? I have no idea. You don't know nothing about her, but you're. I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about her, but I know, I don't, I, I do have a problem with age. I've always been like that because once I started working, that like what we have to talk about with my peers, it mm-hmm. just grew. That gap just grew. So, I, I knew I know I have a sense was like being able to relate with certain shit or being like growing up with certain stuff or even seeing. Have you taken her out before? Yeah, she asked me out first. Oh, so y'all are dating? That's your girlfriend. It feels weird because you don't even know your girlfriend's age. Maybe you should text her that. How nah, old are you? Not nah, like I mean that that came out one, the last time we were out where uh, I just felt like it wasn't that's not important. important. I'm in, I'm comfortable enough to know that. But I mean, at least you should know her birthday. She's an old. I know her birthday. I just don't know how old she is. She got kids. Nope. Well, 
she moving up here? Or? That's what I'm saying. That's what makes the situation awkward. Because well, absence makes the heart grow fonder. We we made it. We made the decision. We both agreed open, open long distance. But after a few months of thinking about that, I'm like, that just sounds like friends. So I'll just take it as that. I'm just really good friends. I'll just text her once a week and once a week. Niggas is busy. Like I don't. She come up here anytime to visit nah. her. No, no. This is the perfect time. It's I don't I don't I don't know house. I don't know exactly what's going on in my personal life, but like so much shit has happened before me that I just give her a space. It's like I've tried the talking to her, or even before, like when I first moved up here, she was just somebody I just like talking to. Mm-hmm. So I had hit her. Uh, I just asked her. I was like, "When's a good time I can actually like talk to you on the phone?" And like a day later, she just sends me like the whole schedule, like. <laughs> The whole get like the her schedule. I work. I work these days throughout the week. Sunday's usually my day off to myself. I have lunch that this this times. I don't answer my phone, but I can usually see the text messages, and that's what she just let me know. So it was like she wanted to hear from me, but like it's just not. It's complicated. It's very complicated. So like, and for me being a person, I want to like put everything into it. Which that doesn't really help. Me moving back to North Carolina is moving backwards. She can't move here because of whatever her situation is. So And you have no intentions of moving back there. Right. You just gotta get famous. Pretty much. You just gotta make it. No, I just gotta just get stable financially. Once you get stable. Fuck that fame. I don't want that fame. Not shit. famous, but you know what yeah. I mean. Once yeah, you yeah. once you make it. Once I get that success. Once you get them two houses. We in there. We in there. That's it. You wanna be on the grill? Go ahead. I got some hot dogs with you. <laughs> That's definitely the goal now. Definitely seeing that as an adult with two adults that work their way to owning property uh-huh. and having plans on once they pay this off, buying property somewhere else and letting this property make money for them once they retire. Now I'm getting into the mindset of that because now I'm building up a brand that I want to make it. I want to have this brand be able to pay for something, for make it work for me. And then from that, just keep flipping it's like Just learning not, yeah, learning economics learning to be an entrepreneur learning how capitalism works that money needs to keep working for you to be successful and secure this is the last two questions it's a series of questions right i'm going to say who are you and the goal is to go beyond yourself right if you say who are you i'll say jared waters who are you stand-up comedian who are you and i'm just going to keep going until i stop got it all right who are you drive fortune who are you stand-up comic who are you a nigger from new jersey who are you Lawanda's son. Who are you? Product of fucking Rowena Bush. Who are you? Probably Marjorie Fortune's favorite grandchild. Who are you? An anime nigga. Who are you? One of the greats. When it's all said and done, if someone had your book, right, and someone digs your book up and they have it out, take it out of the take it out of the library, what do you want them to say about you? That nigga live a full life before thirty. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jared Waters. This is the podcast One Man, One Tree Hill. How can they find you? At Gerard.Fortune on Instagram, Negro Jump ENT. Anything posted, if you have a message or anything, and this is on any of the platforms, most of the time it's you're talking to me. <laughs> yeah, just go Cordero ahead. Cordero. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time you're talking to me. Cordero, Cordero posts some stuff, but 
Buy the t-shirts. Buy his t-shirts. Yeah, definitely. Too. Shit, I got some of it right now. I made a post today. It was just like, I'm in Manhattan. Nigga, like, hit me up if you want a shirt. Anybody hit you up? Uh, Nah, they, I think people still looking for a free shirt, but I was like, y'all not understanding this <laughs> capitalism thing. Like, right. you sell, I sell you something, and then down the line, you sell me something. Right. And then that's how we keep the dollar black. This is how we start. Well, all right, folks. This is how you find him. This is One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Take Definitely. it easy. Live on the podcast on One Man, One Tree in One Hill. Say what up to the people. This is when I see black excellence, man. It's Dave Chappelle, Michael Che, Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I say, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, I, say, I just want to say, man, you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth. And then I said, and I said, uh, uh-uh, uh, and I'm be the next Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters. And I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.